in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win! You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Start of the sports hour. This is Mitch Mo, and this is Dallin. Mitch, well done on the intro, man. Thanks, man. That was solid. It was very good. The stationary bike's doing wonders, man. You're building up the lung capacity. Lung okay. Capacity. Yeah. yeah, I can dig it. Doing some underwater aerobics. Hey, bikini season's coming up, man. You got to shed some weight and start <laughs> looking good. You'd look good in one of those too. I well, hey. I got We'd all love to, to see. I that. got a lot of work to do before I start looking good in one of those. But, you know. Well, now that I've put that mental image in all the listeners' heads, uh, we can officially begin this podcast. So, yeah. uh, welcome, Sorry, listeners. Sorry about that. <laughs> welcome on in, and uh, guys, as you saw by the title today, we've got a uh, chock full show. We're gonna update the NBA playoffs. We're in the second round. Uh, the semifinals of the uh, NBA playoffs. So a lot to talk about there after the first round matchups, but the main story, the main part of this podcast, which will come in the second half is the NFL draft, a little NFL draft recap. And we're going to look at this division by division, our favorite and least favorite draft classes team by team, as I said, by division. So we're going to go through that as on the back half of the pod. Uh, a great weekend. We'll get, we'll talk more of the, about the NFL draft later on, but I mean, the NFL draft just a great weekend. We watched the first round as always, as we do over zoom every year. Uh, last year, you know, it was fun. We got to have uh, Mitch's reaction to the Justin Fields trade, right? They moved up and it was, what's going to happen. They're going to take him and the excitement there. Uh, and then you got to witness me uh, elated that the tackles fell to my Panthers at six and they snagged Ika McQuanu. So it's always fun to have the live and uh, just another crazy weekend in the NFL draft. Oh my gosh. It's so much fun. I, I was so glad that I got to be there. You were there for me when I got excited. I was glad that I got to be there for you when you got excited over the, uh, the Ika McQuanu pick. So um, yeah, can't wait to dive into a recap and, and uh, talk about maybe, some drafts we like, some drafts we don't like. But um, yeah, yeah, a lot of stuff, a like beefy part of the of the episode coming up. So yeah, for sure. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to jump right into it. And no, no new segment today. So the, the wonderful sounder, Mitch isn't going to yell at you to start uh. the podcast. We're going to skip all that because we only have one thing to really talk about in this news segment. And that is the weekly Kraken update because guys, unfortunately, the NHL season is over and our Kraken in our inaugural season, the kickoff to hockey returning to the Emerald city. Well, it was disappointing. Let's be honest. It was disappointing. And I will say this, Mitch, as I start this off, this is all Vegas's fault. 
The Vegas Knights set a false expectation for expansion teams. They just did, right? NHL brings in an expansion team. They go to the Stanley Cup the first year, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, well, shit, we better be competitive at least in year one, when in reality, I mean, we saw this in the NFL, right, with the Houston Texans. We saw this in the NBA. Toronto Raptors and Vancouver Grizzlies, right? We saw, we saw, we've seen this in modern sports with expansion. Usually it takes a while to get, to get the things built properly. Uh, Vegas, just a couple years into their uh, time in the NHL, and they didn't make the playoffs for the first time this year. Uh, the, the Golden Knights didn't, but uh, obviously our Kraken did not make the playoffs as well, Mitch. Uh, 27, 49 and six on the season, uh, ended the season on a one in five, uh, one in five in the last six games, which just feels bad. Uh, we were not the worst team in the league, and that was a big priority for us down the stretch, right? So Montreal Canadiens, Arizona Coyotes, you're officially worse. Just just behind the this, uh, the Flyers there, 60 points total for the Kraken. But, you know, wasn't a great season, but it's Vegas's fault. We shouldn't have had those sort of expectations, I think. Yeah, we have a new submission into the pit of misery. Uh, the Las Vegas Golden Knights. I like it. Um, a they, budding rivalry already. Now, look, look, look. <laughs> and, and it's for setting false expectations for expansion teams. Um, think of this more as a, a night in the drunk tank. You went out. You had too much fun. The cops that picked you up. That happens a lot in like, Vegas, too. So that makes sense. They're going to put you in the drunk tank. They're like, hey, you're sleeping here tonight. We'll let you out in the morning. That's kind of what this is like. So I, I guess our drunk take is a one week. A one week uh uh sentence here because we're a one week one time a week podcast right. but yeah the, let's put the knights in there dilly dilly to the golden knights for getting into the pit of misery so dilly dilly you'll have to pick up your luggage at the tropicana when you're done with your stay at the pit of misery so yeah what happens in vegas stays in vegas baby <laughs> oh man but you know what i will say mitch uh it has been fun to talk about the Kraken on this podcast every week and sort of follow along more so this NHL season than, than I know I ever have. I, I ever have. And I'm sure you could say the same as we have adopted the Kraken in year one. And we look forward to uh, the NHL draft. Let's be honest, the NHL draft lottery, we're shooting for those number one odds. Top three is great because it's going to give us good odds for number one. So we still have a shot at the top prospect, but either way, Kraken are going to snag a great young player to build around. And you know what? Hey, here we go. On to the next one. Let's go. We got years to go. I, I also do want to point out that um, the Seattle Kraken ended uh, the year with a minus 69 differential in their score. Nice. So, they're nice. doing it for the people. Yeah. You know, that was Kraken, a sacrifice are, made. They're a the team fans. of the people. They are a team of the people. Like <laughs> They're like I Rome. Yeah, everyone like should Greece. be Kraken fans. Yes. Absolutely. This is Athens, baby. We're just, you know, democracy. No, it is great. And uh, listen, we're a big Kraken fan. We love the, Kraken, the official podcast of the oh, Seattle Kraken. Absolutely. As you know. uh, so we do love that. And, uh, you know, shout out. Shout out the Kraken for a successful first season. It wasn't successful on the ice as much as you would have hoped, but a successful first season. Many more to come for the Kraken. You'll love to see it. Mitch, that's it for the news. That's it for the weekly Kraken update. But before we get into the NBA playoffs, uh, you know, no news. We got to give a little treat for the listeners today. We got some more forgotten all-stars on tap. We each got a forgotten all-star because frankly, I need to redeem myself. This is the only reason why we're doing it is because I have been asked 
and I need to be better. And so here's another opportunity for me to humiliate myself on this podcast and fail to correctly guess somebody. So uh, would you like to go first this week? You want me to get this over with? Sure, sure. And I, I made this pick with you in mind. I said, look, we got to get Dallin off the schneid. I don't want to I don't want to give him something easy. This but isn't I, a layup. This, it, this isn't a layup, but like it's something you should get. Okay. okay. I feel good about that. Okay. We're staying in the NFL. So this is a forgotten pro bowler. Okay. NFL player. All right. All right. This guy was drafted second round out of the University of Purdue. Okay. He played the entire his entire NFL career with the same team. And he never was a thousand yard rusher. And I'll give you a bonus one here. His entire career was spent in the southeast. Okay. Okay, we're talking about a second round Purdue running back, spent his whole career with one team, never eclipsed a thousand yards rushing. Never eclipsed a thousand yards rushing. And he's a six time pro bowler. He's a six time pro bowler. Yes. And he was a running back just to yes. make sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I'm not giving you a wide receiver that never yeah, eclipsed just, a thousand you know, yards rushing. You, you never know. You never know. Okay. Six time pro bowler from Purdue. Okay. I'm, I'm going to guess. I'm going to throw a name out there. I don't okay. know if this is right, but I'm going to throw this out there. I'm going to go. I don't think this guy was six times. That's no, you know what, Mitch? I don't know if this is right. I don't know if they played for this team the whole time. I'm going to go Arian Foster. That is incorrect. Okay. I don't know if Arian Foster played for more than Houston. I think I he played with Houston the whole time. Kinda, yeah. Kind of feels like there might've been a team there at the end, but Oh, maybe, but I think I you're know. right in that assumption. He's okay. with Houston the whole time. So, okay, not Arian Foster. Am I in the sort of right uh, era, more or less? Uh, earlier, a little okay. bit earlier. Yeah, Actually, earlier is in like mid '90s to mid 2000s. Okay, so like, okay, this way. Yes. Okay. This is your way of getting extra information. <laughs> no, no. I, well, you said earlier. <laughs> I just didn't know if that was sooner, earlier to me now or. Earlier to the exception, no, I, I, I I'm gonna go. Yes, of course, I gotta, you know, I need all the help I can get. Can't you tell? I am gonna go with a good throwback name. I'm gonna go Fred Taylor. Oh, that's a really good guess, but it's not correct. Not right. I will say though, and look, Dallin, I want you to get this. So I'm gonna give you the big hint <laughs> you are in the right state. Oh, good, I'm in the right state. That means yes. I love this because that means it's not a Jacksonville Jaguar, but it means that it's another Floridian. Yes. You are in the right state. Oh, I will give you man. that. Okay. And right era too. That's gotta be the right era, right? That's Fred that's Taylor. Right around, right around there. Gotta be pretty yeah. close. Yeah. Okay. So we're going to say, I got to think of somebody that played their whole career with one team. That is kind of, that's another, that's, that's, that's I'm trying to keep that in mind. You know, do you want another, Hint. Of course I would. Okay. I'm not going to deny hints. He I have no play- shame. Okay. So this player won a Super Bowl with this team. Okay. And he also played both running back positions. Oh. He played a little fullback as well. That's what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I'm taking a shot. I this either threw me off in the wrong direction or this sent me I down. Was trying the right to, path. I was trying to help you. This, but... either, this either threw me off in the wrong direction that sent me down the right path. Okay. I'm trusting you because you said you did this for me. And you know me. And you know the kind of things that I like. And you know the kind of players that I like. Oh. I think I'm going to go Mike Allstock. Ellen, let's go! Let's go! It is Mike Allstock! And I should have paid more attention to the thousand yard thing because looking back as a fullback, more or less, right? Like right. he wasn't a guy that eclipsed that thousand yard mark, but he was a pro bowler. Wow. Okay. Yes. Let's go. At a boy. Hey, off the schneid. Off the schneid. He was a second round pick from Purdue, huh? He was a he was actually when he was drafted, he was drafted as a power back. Like he was right. a tailback, an H back. And he transitioned over to fullback, played a lot of tailback, but then the Bucks, if you remember, drafted Warwick Dunn mm-hmm. and transitioned back kind of into that fullback, power back, goal line back. Thing towards the towards the middle part end of his career so well done Man. well done Dallin oh good I that feels good guys and you know what Mitch gave me six hints it doesn't matter I got it so screw you all you get on this podcast and you do this you know you get to listen to this you probably think it's so easy when the pressure's not on huh <laughs> all right Mitch you ready I got one for you all right, let's Mitch, hear it. Mitch is the expert. Mitch hasn't missed this uh, since we've kind of brought this back. The last three he's gotten for me. No, no, wait. Did you get Tyler Lockett? I don't think you got Tyler Lockett. No, I missed Tyler Lockett. Yeah, yeah. so you're two for three on mine. So this is number four. And this, Mitch, is an NFL player, so a former pro bowler. Okay. And a former player. I'm going to tell you that. So no longer, not currently playing. Okay. Okay, this player was a third-round pick in the NFL draft. The same year that uh, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Big Ben were drafted. He's a quarterback, by the way. So a quarterback. A quarterback, third-round pick, same draft class as Big Ben, Rivers, Eli, right? Okay. He was a two-time Pro Bowler who started and ended his career with the same team but did not make the Pro Bowl with that team. Started and ended his career with the same team, but did not make the Pro Bowl with the team that he was drafted. With the okay. team that he started and ended his career with. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. But he was a two-time Pro Bowler. Okay. Okay. And he retired, ended his career in 2020. In 2020? 2020. 2020. So he had a long career, right? Because again, drafted same year, Eli, Big Ben and just uh, ended his career in 2020. So he played 16 seasons. Okay, so I got one more hint for you after you make a couple guesses, which I think will help, but let's get a couple names out there. Hmm. Third round. I'm trying to think of that quarterback class. That was Eli, Big Ben, Phillip Rivers was in that draft class. And this guy was a third round pick. There was actually another quarterback taken that first round that year. Really? In the first? In that first round, yeah. In that same first round with those three guys, there was another quarterback taken. Oh, J.P. Lossman was that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Of right. course you knew. See, that's great. Yeah, and this is that's not the guy we're talking about. This guy, um, the guy we're talking about is the third rounder. I, so yeah. I miss, I'm missing yeah, one of the guys. I'm missing yeah. the one guy. Who was it? Oh, 
This is Matt Schaub. How are you so fucking good at this? How are you so good at this? I have no idea. My guy. I don't, you are <laughs> like, I'm out here just struggling, bro. I need six hints and like 20 minutes to get this done. Mitch out here guessing it in one guess, bro. He's, he's like, yeah, because he was drafted by the Falcons, then went to the Texans, ended with the Falcons, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And went okay. to his two Pro Bowls with the Texans. It was right. 2009 and then I believe uh, 2013. The other hint I was going to give you. Uh, because I, you know, because I d- dug all this up, was uh, he, that he led the NFL in passing attempts and passing yards in 2009. That would have given it away, I think. Maybe. Yeah, because then you could have, then it would have pinpointed a little more of an era. Also, yeah. two Pro Bowls, right? Long career, never threw more than 30 touchdowns. Really? Led the NFL in passing attempts and passing yards in 2009 and threw 29 touchdowns. I don't. I don't remember that. Well, I guess the Texans weren't that great, but they had Andre Johnson in that era. Like, right. You think and, a, yeah. a ton of touchdowns would have gone that way. So yeah, never, wow. never a high touchdown guy, and but who's yeah, that? Matt Schaub. Yeah. So there you go. Mitch is too good at this. <laughs> I love, I like, <laughs> I love uh, it. Well done. My it's friend. a disease. It's a disease. It's not a disease. It just, you know, this is <laughs> the segment was made for you. It was not made I, for me. That's for I sure. Guess so I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Well, that's it for the forgotten all-stars uh mitch let's uh let's talk about uh some nba playoffs yeah let's get into it man all right so as uh as i mentioned earlier we're in the second round of the playoffs uh so we'll do a little as we talk about these series we'll sort of look back at what happened the first round and then talk about what's going on uh in this current round but i do want to mention a handful of awards uh, that were that were sort of the news was released on the NBA uh, has decided. I don't know when they started doing this a couple of years ago, but uh, they start leaking, not leaking, but they announced the awards like throughout the playoffs instead of doing it all at once, like the NFL awards at the end of the playoffs. Like they just like every couple of days, they'll just be like, oh, yeah, by the way, this guy won defensive player of the year. And then like five days later, it's like, oh, yeah, by the way, this guy's a rookie of the year. I don't know why they do it like that. It's kind of weird. I don't like it. I'd kind of just like to know all at once, but suffice it to say, since we've last talked, we've had uh, three more awards. We just wanted to mention those, maybe give a bit of reaction if there is any, but let's start rookie of the year uh, goes to Scotty Barnes, uh, the forward for the Toronto Raptors it becomes just the third player in Raptors history to win the award, joining Damon Stoudemire and Vince Carter. Uh, Scotty Barnes is a huge part of the second half push. Uh, for Toronto, a huge reason why they uh, ended up at, at the seeding that they were at the five seed. Uh, he was, he, he kind of barely beat out Evan Mobley here, right? 378 points received by Barnes, 48 first place votes to 363 uh, by Evan Mobley, the center for the Cleveland Cavs. He had 43 first place votes. So just 13, 15 points uh, separating them, which is the smallest margin in NBA rookie of the year balloting uh, since the current voting format, which has existed for 20 years. So this is the tightest rookie of the year race we've seen in 20 years. Cade Cunningham, uh, the number one overall pick to the Pistons, uh, finished third with 153, so he's a ways behind. But Barnes, 15 points, seven rebounds, three assists, uh, averaging a steal, uh, a game, leading all rookies in minutes, third in points and rebounds. I mean, he was... He was awesome for, for again, a team that surged down the stretch, and he was a big 
part of that was injured in the playoffs in large part why uh, Toronto wasn't get, able to get it done against Philly. Uh, but I didn't have an issue with this. I thought him or Mobley was probably going to be the pick and, and Mobley would have definitely been the guy at the all-star break. Uh, but mm. the Cavs faded off, right? Didn't even make the playoffs. They were a top four or five team, right? All year. Uh, they fade down the stretch and, and Raptors uh, sort of surge. And that's, I think, why you see uh, Scotty Barnes get it there. But uh, again, I have no issue. I think both those guys were more than deserving. Yeah, I mean, it, guy was part of a playoff team there. I mean, 15.37 and a half and three and a half uh, slash line for Scotty Barnes. Um, a great rookie year from him. And when you're part of a part of helping lead a a team to the playoffs, then that and plays a ton of minutes, by the way. Played 41 on April 25th against the Sixers. So um guys, guys a workhorse, guy gets it done. And uh congrats to Scotty Barnes, but well deserved MVP or rookie of the year. Absolutely. Uh Mitch, let's talk about most improved player. This was the one that was uh, this was definitely the the award that has been given out by the NBA that is the most controversial so far, most improved player. And that's because it went to John Morant and not because John Morant is not a great player or not improved. But it does beg the question of like what the awards intent is if you're giving the award to an all star and a guy who won rookie of the year and a guy who is getting MVP votes. Right. Like, can, can you call the rookie of the year? most improve, right? Like how sort of high the ceiling can be. Whereas normally this is the case for, you know, a second, third, fourth year guy who really emerges, right? Really comes out of nowhere. And you saw that in the voting Morant wins this with 221 points. A uh, second place was DeJounte Murray with 183. Murray had an all-star season for the uh, Spurs really emerged as the leader of that team in San Antonio. Then third place there just behind him by five points was Darius Garland, the Cleveland Cavaliers guard, who again, first time all-star this year for Garland really emerged with this Cavs team. Those are sort of the more the, the traditional picks, but it did go to jaw. And again, like, Hey, 27 points. He had a great year and he did drastically improve upon, uh, you know, what he was able to do, but, I mean, he's a third-year guy who won Rookie of the Year. It just sort of, uh, you know, it, it, I, I guess it just sort of begs the question, like, is this who the award is meant for? Or perhaps, uh, you know, even John Morant, uh, who when he received the award, uh, mentioned his teammate Desmond Bain, who finished fifth, uh, tagged him Gift, in the post. Gifted it to him. Gift, essentially get, said, this is yours, meaning that you deserve this, not me. And, and again, I think even Ja recognizes at his position you know, maybe he's not the quote unquote most deserving of that, uh, of that, uh, you know, indication. Yeah. I mean, if, if you haven't seen the video of Desmond Bain opening up the thing, it's got the most improved player trophy in there. Um, it's a really, it's a really cool video to watch. Um, I mean, good for job, but like we knew job was going to be good. Like it was just right. a matter of him getting another year in the NBA. It wasn't like he was some guy that was, you know, <coughs> excuse me, um, seventh, eighth guy on the team that, that emerged into a starter that was, that was, you know, now become John Morant. Like, no, we knew this guy was going to be really good. Um, so it, it seems kind of like a very high school-ish award to give out. And yeah. <laughs> I think that uh, we should just stick to MVP, Rookie of the Year. We should stick to that sort of, it's a nice gesture, I guess, but- sure. It seems like a it seems like a very high schoolish award that um, 
needs to be, if they're going to keep it, they need to reconsider how they award this thing because jaw while improved, uh, even recognizes he wasn't necessarily the most improved guy in the league. Yeah. It just begs the question. Like, I don't think anyone can argue that he wasn't deserving of the award. It just kind of, it was he the right guy for the award. Is that who we should yeah. be giving it to, you know, or maybe somebody else, but John Morant wins it and congrats to him. And again, I think there was a lot of guys in there. Uh, Murray, uh, Garland and even his teammate Desmond Bain, uh, who probably were more deserving, but uh, Jaw wins most improved there, and he'll probably be the only player in NBA history to win a rookie of the year, most improved, and an MVP at some point. So, I mean, like that's good. Uh, that'll be a trivia question somewhere for what a Jaw, resume. So, you know, at least he'll have that at some point, right? Uh, final award we're gonna talk about here six man of the year, which went to Tyler Hero, uh, his third season for the Miami Heat. Uh, he was huge off the bench, uh, averaging 20.7 points, five boards, four assists in 32 minutes. Uh, his average of 20 points, over 20 points a game as a reserve was highest in the league. And he's only the fifth player to average 20 points off the bench since 1970. That's crazy. So obviously very deserving of this reward award and hero won it uh, pretty handily 488 points in 96 of the 100 first place votes went to Tyler Hero, So he did not miss a single vote. He was on all 100 ballots. And again, 96 out of the 100 first place votes went to Hero. Uh, second in the voting was Kevin Love from Cleveland, who uh, had a great season as a sixth man and, and really emerging in a new role for Kevin Love, which is fun to see at the end of his career. And then uh, the young wing from Phoenix, uh, Cam Johnson, third with 128 but heroes the vote here and again you're putting up those numbers on the number one seed in the east uh it's uh, that's a pretty easy vote there yeah i mean <laughs> averaging almost 21 off the bench is absurd so um well deserved by tyler hero uh how he's not a starter on that team i i have no idea i mean does he just play better off the bench or is or i mean is he starting caliber i mean i I mean, it's probably purposeful at this point, right? You're just getting that value off the bench. And I mean, he's playing 32 minutes, right? So he might even be playing more than a starter. You know, yeah. he could be playing more than a starter, so even start if he's him? getting different minutes. Well, it just adds different elements, right? Maybe you're trying to uh, balance out, uh, you know, who you have on the court at certain times. It's Duncan Robinson starting, right? Maybe you like... Duncan for his defense more. So you want him in the starting lineup where hero can play off, you know, other, it's just going to how the rotation plays out. Uh, but yeah, you know, it is interesting. He's certainly a, a weapon for them. So Absolutely. Uh, Mitch, well, uh, speaking of Miami, let's just jump into the NBA playoffs. Cause uh, that's it for the awards. And we'll start with this uh, Miami Philadelphia series uh, briefly to kind of just go through what happened in the first round, Miami, uh, defeated Atlanta in five games. Uh, Miami won that s- series uh, four to one. Mitch, uh, that was not really surprising. I, I thought we, you know, maybe I thought Atlanta would give a little more of an effort, uh, but my this Miami team is very good, uh, and they should prove that in the first round as the number one seed. Philly uh, ends up beating Toronto four to two, six-game series there. You had Philly in seven. I had Toronto in seven. 
uh, going into this. And again, I think for Toronto I, injuries, you know, they got a little healthier once the series went on and they were down three. Oh, don't forget, right. Down three. Oh, able to win two games to extend it to a six game series. Ultimately they lose that game six. But uh, I think even just extending that series was just due to getting a little healthier for them. And so, you know, uh, the injuries not at full health for Toronto doesn't really help them there, but Philly escapes, uh, into the second round. Now, Mitch, in this series against Miami, the Heat lead uh, one to nothing, winning the first game 106 to 92. They play tonight. In fact, this game uh, tips off here in about a half an hour, I believe. We're recording this on May the 4th. By the way, May the 4th be with you. How did it and, take me so long to say and, that, man? And may the 4th be with you as well. So, <laughs> so it's, it's like it's a great day. Uh, so, you know, so so we'll see where this goes. Second game in Miami. But Joel Embiid having the injury that he has, I think really handicaps uh, this series for Philadelphia. And I would have felt confident in Miami even outside of that. Uh, my prediction for this series, Mitch, is uh, I'm taking Miami in a gentleman's sweep. I'm taking Miami in five. I I didn't feel confident about this Sixers team uh, with the way that James Harden has played. Again, even besides the Embiid injury stuff. So I just uh, I, I I don't know if I don't I wouldn't feel confident if I was a Sixers fan. Yeah, I th- this is so rough for the Sixers. I feel bad for Joel Embiid. Like yeah. he's been he's been the guy that's been able to carry. He's you know carry this team, not carry him, but you know he's been the spearhead of that team and how well they've done this year. Um, amidst all the Ben Simmons drama, uh, he's really just stepped up and showed out. Um, I've heard rumors that he may or may not try to play with a face mask. I personally would advise against it for Joel. I'd say, Hey dude, just, you know, you got a lot of career left. You got a lot of career left. There's no, there's no sense in doing this, but, um, if he does play with the mask, give me the heat and six. I think that Joel's one big tough dude, and I think he might be able to will them to an extra win there. If he doesn't play, give me the sweep. Give me the sweep. Wow. Heat and four. Yeah, I just, you know, so he's not playing in game two. He's not even in Miami. He did not travel with the team, right? So, again, it's, if he does come back, you're talking, you know. Uh, three or at, Game three or four. Right, game three or four. And, I mean, if it's game four, you could be facing elimination, right? You could be down 3-0 facing elimination in game four. Yeah. And I just think James Harden is not the same, right? He does not look the same. And, uh, you know, Tyrese Maxey has been great as a young player. Tobias Harris is not a guy that can carry you in the playoffs. He's a complimentary piece. So, uh, this Sixers team's in a bad spot. Miami's rolling and they're healthy. And, and that's really what matters. Bam Adebayo had a big game in game one without Joel Embiid on the court. You'll see a lot of that in this series as Embiid misses time, right? 24 points, 12 rebounds and eight of 10 from the floor from Bam. So uh, this is going to be a tough matchup. So yeah, I'm, I, I say Miami in five. You said Miami in six. If they get Joel back in Philly, in Philly, if not, it's a sweep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, Mitch, the other matchup, much more competitive here. In fact, this should be one of the best matchups we get all playoffs long. It is Boston in Milwaukee, the two-seed Celtics and the three-seed Bucks. The series is tied at one. Milwaukee takes game one in Boston, 101-89. to Boston returned the favor last night, 109-86. So the series tied at one, but Milwaukee has taken away home court advantage from the Celtics, right? So we move back to Milwaukee for games three and four, and, and the Bucks are 
uh, I think in my opinion, still in the power position in this, uh, in this series, right? They didn't lose game two pretty handily. They are without Middleton still, but I think Giannis is too powerful. I think the Celtics as a whole are a really tough team and they have so many pieces and so many defensive weapons and they're the perfect type of team to counter a Giannis because you could throw Horford and then you could throw Tatum and then you can throw uh, Robert Williams when he's healthy, right? And then you could throw all these different pieces at him and just different bodies and different looks and uh, and that's sort of the best strategy against Giannis. But I do feel confident in this Bucks team, Mitch. I do feel like Giannis is the best player in the NBA. He's the best player. He proved it last year in the playoffs and he's reminding it of, he's reminding us of that fact in this playoffs. And I think he will ultimately Chris Middleton or not carry this bucks team. So I'm going to go Milwaukee in seven in this series. I'm, I'm feeling seven games like one way or another, honestly, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with the bucks here in seven. Yeah. I really like this Celtics team, but man, the Bucks, the, the Giannis is so hard to defend. Uh, he's in my mind the best player on the planet right now, and um, you know as as good as this as a good of a run as the Celtics team has had, um, I think it's going to be really tough to. I mean, get past the Bucks, but really get past Giannis. Like that's going to be the the really tough one to get past. I like Bucks and seven as well. Um, and I and I totally agree with you. It could be seven either way, but the Bucks just feel like um, the the better team in this situation. And it really Giannis is the boost. Like he's the cheat code here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you know, Celtics are going to give uh, you know give a battle. They were without De- uh, Marcus Smart in Game Two, Defensive Player of the Year this year. A uh, bruised right thigh. Derek White started for him, played very well. Uh, and, and, and again, this defense, it's just they have so many different guys they can throw at you that they are going to be a challenge, and I do believe that this will be uh, a long series. But, you know, give you've got to give credit to a team that's proven it, right? And that this Bucks team proved it last year. They went and they won a championship, and they weathered these storms, right? And they weathered the stretches where they were without uh, Giannis even for times, and Middleton's dropping 40 in playoff games, right? I mean, they've been through that, and they've proven it and so uh you know that i'm gonna i'm gonna bet on that uh over a team that hasn't until proven otherwise and this boston team is obviously capable uh of knocking off this bucks team and they will have you know if it comes down to a game seven and yes milwaukee has stolen home court advantage but if it comes to a game seven it's in boston and that is going to be an advantage for the celtics in that regard all right mitch let's jump to the western conference here of the playoffs let's start with the one four matchup uh in fact uh, of all the NBA first round matchups, not a single lower seed uh, advanced. This is like the first time I think in four years that we haven't had a single lower seed advance past the first round. No upset. All the higher seeds won. In fact, we didn't even have a seven game series in the first round, which is really surprising. I would not have expected that uh, when seeing those first round matchups. But uh, Phoenix got past New Orleans in six games, more competitive than uh, than we would have expected and a great showing for the Pelicans doing all that without Zion Williamson. If Zion does want to play in new Orleans, if he does want to be a part of this Pelicans team, just adding him to what this team was able to accomplish this year in the competitive playoff series they had with Phoenix, great building block for the Pelicans there. Uh, Dallas defeated Utah in six games, uh, two or three of those without uh, Luca. So a uh, great showing for Dallas in the first round is Utah uh, on the verge of, uh, a 
to a total different look. I think things are going to be very chaotic in, in Utah here for a little bit, but uh, this series Phoenix wins the first game uh, at home uh, in, in what was pretty much a, uh, you know, dominant win throughout, uh, you know, they never trailed kind of got close towards the end. Mavs really, you know, Mavs were down 12 with like two minutes left, really kind of made it close towards the end. But uh, Phoenix pretty much handling Dallas in this, in this game. And Mitch, I think that's a precursor for this series. I do not feel confident in the Mavs. I think, uh, I think Luca is fantastic. I think the rest of this team is sus and having watched every game of them against Utah. Uh, I, I think that, Utah was an exploitable matchup that they exploited perfectly. And Phoenix is a much less exploitable matchup. There aren't matchups you can exploit on Phoenix and Dallas isn't talented enough to beat them. So I think Phoenix is going to win the series and I don't think it's particularly close. I'm going five games. I'm going Suns in five. I love Luca. He's probably my favorite player to watch in the NBA right now. Um, Just so exciting. Everything that he does. Phoenix is a complete team. They are absolutely complete. Uh, they have depth. Um, their starting five is amongst the best starting five in the whole NBA. Give me the Suns in four. Wow. Complete sweep. Um, look, it, when the Suns look as dominant as they did last night, and like you said, the the, the Mavs actually drew, you know, drew it within 12. Um, but they just absolutely manhandled the Mavericks for the majority of the game. And I, I it's not a knock on Luka, but it's a knock on the supporting cast, I guess, around him. Uh, Luka can, Luka's a great young player. I don't think he's capable of car- carrying a team uh, past the second round right now. And I don't think he's capable of really even carrying them to a to a actual conversation of what the series is going to go in the second round. So uh, I like the Suns right now in seven or sorry, in four. Um, and uh, it, it, it just seems like the Sun series to lose. Um, if they lose a the game, it'll be on like an insane, like Luca had six drop 60 or, or Jalen Brunson starts looking like he did against the jazz. Right. If he's dropping right. 40 a night, maybe they yeah. got a shot. Jeez. But uh, I think that was more fluke. And again, I think that was more just the matchup with the jazz and being able to exploit that. than it was Dallas sort of coming into their own or, or guys really just developing in that sense. Not that Jalen Brunson isn't a fantastic player, but Again, against this Suns team with the wing defenders that they have, if you're getting guarded by Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson and Jay Crowder and like, I mean, Chris Paul, I mean, even Devin Booker, like that is a different matchup uh, than what Utah's throwing out there on the wings, right? And so I, I, I am with you there. I'm surprised by the sweep, but I do feel it. Uh, I think the, I think this is going to be a pretty uh, easy series for Phoenix. Let's flip over to, again, much like the East, a much more competitive matchup, what? right? The one fours I... aren't great. Two am threes I the, are great. Am I the new Phoenix and four guy? Suns and four guy? Am I yeah, the new Suns and four guy? Yeah, that didn't work out last time for that guy, right? So no, I don't know it if, didn't. Uh, I, I guess it didn't. I don't, you don't want to be that guy. Uh, yeah, <laughs> two seed Memphis, uh, three seed Golden State. Golden State uh, beat Denver in five games. That was uh, not surprising. Right, Denver, very banged up team. We actually had, we each had Golden State in five in that one. So we were spot on there. Uh, that was our prediction. By the way, uh, the Dallas-Utah predictions, I had Utah in seven, you had Dallas in seven. 
uh, Dallas in six there. Uh, so that was Golden State, Denver in the first round. Memphis and Minnesota. And what what we both thought would be a sneaky competitive series, and it was this Minnesota team. Uh, they're going to be a challenge next year, man. They're going to be, they're going to be a top four or five seed next year. Just pencil it in, baby. They're going to be good. Wow. Ant Edwards, Carl Anthony towns. That's a duo. I mean, they can move on from D and add more. I mean, this Minnesota could be something special next year. So keep an eye on them, but uh, they lose that series. Those six, uh, six games for Memphis to, to knock off Minnesota. Uh, and that was what I predicted Memphis in six. You had Memphis in seven. Uh, so we were on there with those competitive series, but now, Golden State in Memphis in what should be a fantastic series. Uh, Golden State stealing game one in Memphis, 117 to 116 on a last minute twirling uh, shot uh, at the rim by Clay Thompson. It was a great, just a great play and a great move for Golden State to steal that first game. Uh, Memphis comes back uh, last night, wins game two, 106, 101. So this series tied at one, headed back to Golden State, and the Warriors having flipped. Home court advantage is definitely going to be uh, going to be good for Golden State here with all that experience. I do think this is a tough draw for Memphis, Mitch. I did not, I would not have felt confident in Memphis even going into the playoffs in this matchup just because of the experience of Golden State, the winning pedigree. They've been here, they've weathered the storm in Memphis. Uh, was an eight seed last year that got gentlemen swept in the first round, right? Like that's the experience they have. And so it is hard to bet on that team. So I am going to go, and I hate doing this because I, you talk about love and Luca, my favorite, my, my favorite non Laker jazz player, right? Teams I root for my favorite player on a team. I don't root for is John Moran in this league. He is just so much fun. He plays with joy. He is a joy to watch. I'm going Golden State in six, though. I'm not. I don't think Memphis really has a shot here, especially with the way these first two games have played out. I think, I think the Warriors they'll be close games, right? They'll be tight, but I think Golden State's going to pull this out in six. Yeah, I mean, I I'm right there with you. I love Jaw. I love Jaw, and um, this Grizzly team is so so good. But look, this Warriors team has a veteran presence on them. Um, they're also aging. Like they're not, they're not spring chickens anymore as far as sports are concerned. Right. Yeah. You know, they're, this they're is the their... window, right? I mean, they're in towards right. the back end of this championship window. Exactly. And so um, I think that jaw will be back. I, d- I don't think the Grizzlies are going anywhere come next year, but I have to give the warriors in seven because okay. I think that this will still be a competitive series. Um, the Warriors are going to do what they do, which is shoot the lights out of the arena. And, um, and it's going to be, it's going to be a tough matchup for the Grizzlies. Um, and it might be jaws first really good experience of losing to a very, very good team uh, in a playoff situation. And he's going to only grow from that. Right. Exactly. And seeing up close and personal, what one of those all-time guards does at this stage, right. In Steph and clay respectively, right. Seeing those guys on the other side in person doing what they do at this level, it's, it's all building experience and the warriors, you know, they had to lose series before they could win them, right. Every championship team goes through that and every championship player, uh, you know, has to go through this playoff uh, struggles. And so I, you know, interesting Mitch that we are, we're on the same page on all of these series. We both picked Miami. We both picked Milwaukee. We both picked Phoenix. We both picked Golden State. But I'm 
I feel pretty confident in all those. There weren't many series that I felt. All one maybe, and three seeds, by the way. Yeah, all one this and is three true. Seeds. The only series that I really feel is the most uh, a toss-up at this point is Boston-Milwaukee. And that's really because of the Chris Middleton injury, right? And because mm-hmm. Milwaukee depleted the, the way that they are. I think really, on top of how good Boston is, really opens the door there. But it uh, should be fun. The NBA playoffs are always great. Again, first round, no seven uh, no seven game series and, and no upsets. Very surprising, but uh, we have some great uh, second round matchups to look forward to. Yes, absolutely. 100%. All righty, Mitch. Well, that's, uh, that's going to do it for the NBA playoffs, and that's going to do it for the first half of this podcast. We're going to take a break and hit a mid roll. And on the other side, we'll get into some NFL draft recap, our favorite and least favorite draft classes, division by division. You don't want to miss it. So stick around. And we'll be right back. Thanks for checking out the Sports Hour today. We appreciate you wherever you're listening. But if you haven't already, we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on Anchor. Anchor allows us to provide the best product to you. You can go support the Sports Hour and become a permanent part of the show, like my saint of a mother, Sammy, and my father, David, did. You can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show. Prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back into the sports hour with Mitchmo and Dallin. Hope you enjoyed that little mid roll there so you can find out how be how to become a part of the show via Anchor. Second half of the show, NFL Draft. Big week in the NFL last week, starting on Thursday. The NFL Draft commenced. We had all seven rounds take place. And uh, look, down there was there was a lot of players. Too, was it 256 that are taken? Usually, you know, so we're, we're, we're talking about 256 new faces in the NFL. We want to talk about some of the teams that were winners and losers in this one. And we decided we're going to break this down division by division. We're going to start the AFC East down. Actually. So before we jump into this, you were doing great, by the way, you were in the zone. I saw it, but I'm going to stop you here because, because we did not record a podcast last week before the draft. And we ask every week on this show for listeners to send us voice messages and input and voicemails. Oh my gosh, I forgot. Show. I forgot. And, oh my gosh. And our good no, it's good. And I forgot too until you started talking. But our good friend, the Italian stallion, friend of the show, sports hour guy, Tanner Pacenti, sent us a voice message about the NFL draft. So how about before we jump into it, let's play his voice message and answer it here. Uh, and then we'll do our draft recap. How does that sound? That sounds great. Okay. Yeah. So let's hear from Tanner Pacenti. Uh again, the Italian stallion. Let's hear what uh, he had to say. Yo, 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 Tanner P here, the Italian Stallion. Hey, boys, I just want to know, what is your favorite thing about NFL Draft Week? All right, see you guys soon. Bye. All right, again, thank you to Tanner for the great question, and you could be like Tanner and send us a message uh, on Anchor or just text it to us, DM it to us on any of our social media. Be like Tanner, people. That That's an example of what to be like right there. That was great. That's an example. And this sexy voice. Amazing. Oh, God. Uh, 
But yes, our favorite part about NFL draft week. And Mitch, I have to say, my favorite part of draft week is the reaction to draft week, right? Because all year, I'm an NFL draft like 365 kind of guy, right? So I'm already ready for 2023. I'm already scouting the QBs and I'm getting ready for next year's draft because when that anticipation builds all year and then you finally see where that player goes or what your team does and the, the contrast of reactions you could see from fans that either think they've won the Super Bowl or they've lost and they're getting relegated to the Canadian football league. Like it is either one or the other. It's like, we've got a hall of famer or we are the most inept franchise in the league. And I love just seeing how it all plays out in the gut reactions that fans and we all have to players to picks and where, how it all shakes out and the drama that ensues just those, that guttural reaction to those things is one of my favorites uh, also just cause it's so early. We, we have no idea how it'll play out, but we all love to get up in arms. You know, it's fantastic. I mean, I love, I love all those parts that you just mentioned too, but I love the steals of the draft. Oh, okay. I love, I love the, uh, well, we'll get you into just a love couple. robbery. I love, Thievery. yeah, I love Grand felony, Theft Auto. I love <laughs> felony robbery. I love it. It's the best. <laughs> Um, I'm out here advocating for crime on the podcast. What are you doing? Felonies are awesome. Um, no, I, <laughs> this is I, not a child. That's, that's why we put the explicit label, right? Cause this is not well, for children. I think it's because I said shit one time on the first <laughs> episode and that's why we got the E tag. But, um, look, I, I love, I love the steals of the draft. I love, um, and I guess it's kind of a long-term play, but you kind of see the guys that pan out. They're like, Oh, they were third, fourth, fifth rounders that are becoming, you know, stars or very valuable pieces in the NFL. I also love the guest speakers that come out to make the picks. And we saw a few of those this year. We saw actually like those. I actually do. Yeah. I think it's fun. Pat McAfee had a great one for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, right. I think a couple of years ago was Bobby yeah, Okereke's yeah, that, pick. Yeah, that's a classic one. Um, I, you know, Keegan Michael Keel or Ke- Keegan Michael Key came out. That's a tough name to say. Um, he came out this year. Um, Ed Mariano came out this year. Uh, he was the guy that um, he was actually the head coach in the show Blue Mountain State. Oh. Um, but he also was. Uh, a former, I can't even remember the team that he played for, but um, he was the guy that the lady had to come out and tell him, read his card, like right. read the card. He was like the Vikings pick, right? Oh, and the Vikings like, pick, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. He had traded up and we all thought it was a quarterback and then it wasn't. And it was like, we all did, we waited the whole time for this. And it was like, so like anticlimactic. Like I love the speaker picks because it's like, yes. So much chaos can ensue yeah. in that. So it is um, entertaining. And I will say the NFL does a good job of creating entertaining things. Like we're watching hours of guys being people getting on stage and just announcing picks like that's announcing names in colleges. But like they have figured out a way to keep you engaged. And I do like that the first round is all Goodell. I like that the second and third round, former players, celebrity picks. And then day three, it's like make a wish fans like whoever yes. wants to like whoever wants to make these well they had to make a wish in it. the first round this yeah, year yeah so they do that but yeah i do yeah. you know the day three it's like here's a so-and-so fan who probably knows an employee on the team who got to them to be the but like i'm cool with all that but some of them need to speed it up that's all you know like come on 
We got we got places yeah, to Ed, go. We got Ed took to a do. little bit too much time, but <laughs> if you haven't seen Blue yeah. Mountain State, by the way, highly recommend it. Hilarious. There you show. go. But, I will say the other thing I want to add in here is I what I find most fascinating about the NFL draft in whole is just the trends. I think we learn mm. a lot about the NFL every year, and that's something we'll talk about here in this segment is what we're learning from the NFL, the way that they draft, right? The types of players that they covet, the types of players they don't covet, right? Uh, you know, what sort of athletes we looking for, what positions they value over others. And so I do think that that is one of the more intriguing things to me is, is what we've learned, what teams think they've learned over the last year and how that's reflected in who they're taking, where they're taking them, uh, you know, and the, and the sort of value that they see. So uh, again, Tanner, thank you for the question. Uh, and again, if, uh, if you have a question like him, if you have a comment, it doesn't even have to be a question for us. It could just be your thoughts on something. Uh, feel free to send it to us again. You can do it on anchor. You can text it to us. If you have our number, you can send it to any of our DMS on any of our social medias. We do check oh, DM those. it, DM it to at the sports hour guys on Instagram. Um, yeah, and exactly. make sure give us a follow and then DM us because we will, uh, we'll respond to that. That's yeah. for sure. None of Absolutely. that bot shit anymore. I'm tired. I'm sick and tired of the bots. Yeah, I'm not clicking your sexy profile. That's a no, spam link. Heck no, no, yeah. Done with that. But anyway, <laughs> NFL draft. NFL yes. draft. Mitch, let's jump. Let's jump in. And we wanted to start with the AFC East, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to give you guys our favorite draft class and our least favorite draft class, division by division. So we may not talk about every single team in here, but we're going to hit uh, the far majority here. So, Mitch, let's start with your favorite draft class in the AFC East. Who who are you the biggest fan of coming out of the NFL draft this year? Uh, for the AFC East, I loved the Jets pick. Okay. I mean, this is easy, right? Like, yeah, it's got to be. The Je- I had the Jets as well. The Jets had one of the best drafts, period. I mean, you could argue they had the best draft of anybody. Uh, oh, you know. God. Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall. I mean, come on. That's a, that is a outstanding draft. They not only addressed their needs, but they set themselves up for, I feel like, one of the better development faces that, that's going to go forward. And we're going to see these players develop so well over the next few years. Um, a lot of promise behind Garrett Wilson and Jermaine Johnson and Brees Hall, but the immediate impact that Sauce Gardner can have on an NFL franchise because of his skill set. Um, the 6'3, 190 cornerback out of Cincinnati. Uh, it's just, it's, it, it just was like chef's kiss kind of draft from the, from the New York Jets. Uh, they had an absolutely fantastic draft. Yeah, you know, and, and, and to be fair, it is hard to mess up when you have two top 10 picks, right? They'd have to have done something sure. pretty yeah. stupid to walk away with those two picks being bad. But on top of that, Mitch, and again, where I think the credit needs to be given to the Jets, they did have those top two picks, right? They do trade or they do select a corner with the first one and they got a great fit in Sauce Gardner. I mean, he's a guy who uh, fits the Robert Sala scheme, the Seattle cover three, the San Francisco cover three that now is adapted into New York. So he fits that perfectly. They get their weapon for, for Zach Wilson at number 10 after Drake London is off the board. They go with Garrett Wilson at number 10. Uh, but then Mitch to trade up into the first round for Jermaine Johnson, who Jets reporters were saying all week that he was in play at number 10 and even in play at number four, depending on how the board fell 
the Jets were really high on this guy and they waited and they waited. I I've seen after the draft that Joe Douglas called every team from 15 on every team for 15 on until 26 to trade up for Jermaine Johnson. It just didn't work and it didn't work. It wasn't right. He kept waiting, kept waiting. They finally move up. So they, they, they received 26 and one Oh one and they set the 35th overall pick. Uh, so that third pick in the second round, which they had two early seconds, their third round pick was just 69th overall and then 163. So they pick up a late first and a late third. They trade an early second and early third and a day three pick. I mean, that is great value, right? Like they, you didn't give up too much. No future firsts to move back into the first round is a huge win for the Jets. And then to get the guy that you were so high on in Jermaine Johnson, the value here, if he hits is huge much better than if you took him at number 10. Now he's 26. He's a late first. It's whatever. And then, as you said, Mitch, the cherry on top, I think here is Brees Hall. And I've seen a, a, a handful of people and especially the PFF people. And listen, I'm a huge PFF fan and they get a lot of unnecessary shit. In my opinion of the, we don't value running backs and all this analytic stuff, but I've seen a couple PFF people rip this pick as if it's like some egregious thing that the jets took Brees Hall at the top of the second round after they address the three biggest needs on their roster, right? Corner, wide receiver, edge. They needed to get all three of those guys, and they did it. Like, they already did it. So why would you not add a talent like Brees Hall, who is the clear number one running back, who's going to come in and immediately well, be your RB1 and help your young quarterback? Like, it's, it's, a, it's a great value pick because they already successfully addressed all the needs in the first round. Because well, I have PFF no is, issue with that at all. Because PFF is a joke, and they they love the value of a fourth round Michael Carter. When it's like, no, you can go get a guy like Brees Hall, who's going to be a very very valuable running back for you, um, a big bodied guy that can also catch the ball out of the backfield. Um, it, it, look, and can be a heavy workload guy. He played yeah. at Iowa State. What do we know about Iowa schools defense and running the football? Yeah. He ran so, the ball like, a lot in college. Yes. So like, yeah. Why wouldn't you spin the pick right. on him? It makes well, and again, sense. And, and I think like if they had traded back into the first for Brees Hall, I think I would have maybe felt a different type of way. But when you had two early seconds, you traded one to move up right for pick. an edge. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent love that pick. And then you even look at their later picks uh, end of the third round, that other pick that, that uh, the pick they, uh, added in that trade into the first round for Jermaine Johnson. They added tight end and Jeremy Ruckert uh, and they added CJ Uzama in the off season, but uh, backup tight end. I'm okay. There Max Mitchell uh, fourth round. I think he's a project uh, probably more of a guard in, in the NFL, but good value there in the fourth. So, and they didn't have a pick after the fourth round, but they pretty much nailed every pick that they had and they didn't waste their opportunities. They got the right. positions they needed and then they addressed good players at uh, valuable positions for them. And so, yeah, to me, there was no, there was really nobody else I considered. I thought Buffalo had a really good draft. So, I I, like, yeah. I, I don't like, so Buffalo had a really good draft as well. But to me, this was, this was the Jets. Uh, I, and you've, and you've now done the exact what you need to do this offseason, which is set up your second year quarterback for success. Now you will know as long as he's healthy and everybody else is healthy in 2022, you're going to know at the end of the season, if Zach Wilson's your guy or not, are you going to see that second year leap? Well, you've 
you've provided him a better defense, a better offense, more weapons, right? Like, okay, so let's go. Now we're ready, and we'll see how it works out for New York. But you've done the right thing from a team-building perspective, uh, and you got to applaud him for that. Yeah, just really quick before we move on to our least favorite, uh, you mentioned Buffalo there. I love the Kyir Elam pick. Yes. Um, but I also love the James Cook pick out of Georgia, um, a, a team that struggled at running back. James Cook is the brother of Dalvin Cook. Right. Um, so, uh, you know, there's obviously the pedigree there. Hopefully he pans out just like his brother does. Um, but, uh, you know, the Bills also had a very, very good pick, and they got the best punter in college football with Matt Arisa. The punt Arisa, god. So. The punt yeah. god himself, Matt Matt punts. Yes. So. If he could just get some hang time on his punts, he'd be an all-time legend. He could kick him 80 yards, but, uh, I mean, the touchbacks, that's, you know, he's got to work Matt on Arisa that. Matt might be the next great guy. I mean, we'll, we'll yeah, find so. out. Here's the thing with Buffalo. I, I love outside corner. It's something my mock draft 1.0, I had them taken Trent McDuffie right outside corner. I thought, you know, adding the other side of Tredavious White is a smart move. I loved Kyrie Elam. I thought that was good value for them there. I don't love James Cook mainly because they spent a third round pick on Devin Singletary. Then they spent a third round pick on Zach Moss. Now you've spent a second round pick on James Cook. All of this within the last four years, right? That's a lot of draft capital in this one position where you're not hitting. Like to me, either spend that first round pick and get a real guy or stop well, spending good value at all and just start taking fifth rounders. And those guys are going to probably be just as good as the third rounders. Right. So I, so again, I don't like, I don't like, I don't not like the player. James cook is going to be a, a good balance to what those guys do. He's more of a pass catching option out of the backfield. Something that Singletary and Moss don't do well. Moss more of a power back Singletary, more of an in tackle kind of guy. So he does ha- offer a complementary role in that backfield, which I do like, but again, Second round just feels like there's more value there when you've already spent all that uh, similar draft capital at that position in, in years past. That's my only hang up there uh, with, with the James Cook pick. Yeah, I mean, I they, they addressed their biggest need, which was cornerback, right? They, right? they addressed that biggest need. The running back deal, I don't have an issue with. I don't have an issue with because if you're spending a second or third round pick and you keep striking out, like why would you spend the first round pick on a guy and you're going to reach on him? So I would like, rather spend, I would rather them taking, they had a fifth and three, sixth, take a fifth and sixth round running back, right? Like well, I'd rather we'll take get, two yeah. spots there and just, you know, and see if one of those guys pops up. Cause at least you didn't like spend high value anymore. That, so you're just saying spend it a different position. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah, in a different okay. way. And again, okay. I, I don't hate the running back I and I don't that. even hate the player. Cause I do think James cook is going to help that team. Uh, I, and I, I just want to mention one other thing with the bills, uh, Khalil Shakir, fifth rounder. Big steal. Really liked that kid out of Boise State. He's an uber athlete. I think he's getting a little slept on. Could have been a second or third round pick. Falls all the way to the fifth. Uh, with an already talented wide receiver group, that's just another weapon there for uh, for Buffalo and Josh Allen. I really liked. Mitch, your least favorite draft class in the AFC East? Um, I got to go with New England. Okay. And look, I I the Cole Strange pick was a strange pick. Um, but awful. see what it did there. Awful. Um, look, I, I don't like this draft at all for new England, but if there's one thing we know, don't question Bill Belichick, <laughs> right? Just, just don't question him. He sees things that no one else sees. 
Um, he took, you know, Bailey Zappi in the fourth round out of Western Kentucky. Um, maybe as insurance in case Mac Jones is a pan out. I don't know how you have an insurance pick on a first round guy. You took on number 15 last year. I don't know how you take someone like that, but look, I just don't question Bill Belichick. I don't like the draft, but I can't hate on it because it's Bill Belichick. And we just, people just don't see things that he sees. True. I will say you go look at recent Bill Belichick draft history and it is not great. No, it's I mean, not you look good. at like, especially first round picks, Nikhil Harry? first round picks, Nikhil Harry, Sony, Michelle, right? I mean, you could go, go, just go look at the last couple of years of, yeah. uh, of draft picks from the, from the Patriots. I don't think it's fair to criticize. I mean, again, we don't know how these are going to work out. Right. So, you know, Cole strange could be a 12 year starter for the Pats and it's a great pick. Uh, but he was a third round guy that some people thought could slip into the top 50 right and they took him at 29 overall right so you reached there on the consensus board that we know for sure and Tyquan Thornton the second round pick is the same way the wide receiver out of Baylor better wide receivers on the board and Tyquan Thornton was a guy who was thought of as a day three pick right a day through like a, a fourth round maybe fifth round pick and he showed great speed at the combine six two but he is thin he is thin. He didn't have high production in college. Like he, he's a measurables kind of guy. He's a speed kind of guy. I don't love the fit in their offense with the different weapons that they have. Like they need a one number one wide receiver. They need a guy they can just go catch passes, right? Tyquan Thornton is not that type of athlete. So when you when you make the picks that they did on in round one and round two, right? Everything else after that, it's just like hard, right? Because some of those mid round picks. Late round picks could be good. Bailey Zappi, I don't mind going quarterback, right? Backup quarterbacks are super valuable. We, we see that every year. Playoff teams hinge on how good their backups can be, right? For three or four games in a season. You, that could be the difference between you making the playoffs or not. So I don't hate that. Pierre Strong, the running back out of South Dakota State. Uh, Marcus Jones, the third round pick. I do like him out of Houston. I thought that was the proper value there uh, for Marcus Jones, but Again, reaches in the first and second round when those are there's just so much value in those picks. If you liked Taekwon Thornton, then trade back, right? Then just trade back from the mid second and take him at the late second and get you know what I mean? Like no one's coming up to unless they had some intel. It doesn't seem like anyone else was trying to get that guy. So that's my only thought there. And again, that's why I'm going with New England as well. Yeah, I just thought it was weird that or strange that they took Cole Strange. <laughs> um when you had a guy like Bernard Raymond sitting there. Who yeah, I love Raymond. High, and he fell to the third. I, yeah. And I love that guy, but that's a guy you can bump in that has right. first round talent in my mind. So like, you know, if you need to fill the offensive guard, you don't need to reach for the true guard. You can get the guy that you can bump inside to fill that interior offensive line. I just, I don't get the pick. And uh, I just was really, I'm not going to question Bill Belichick, but I really just did not like this draft. Yeah, obviously we'll have to see how it plays out. Again, with and, and again, the wide receiver position, something that it just feels like the Patriots, particularly recently, have really struggled to evaluate well in the draft, uh, especially early on, right? Late round, right. undrafted guys, they've always hit on those, but those early picks, they just always seem to miss. And Tyquan Thorne just kind of feels like another one of those situations. And again, uh, time will tell there. All right, Mitch, let's jump to the AFC North here in our favorite draft class uh, from this division. To me, this was another easy one. Uh, this was by far the Baltimore Ravens. 
No, but there's no question. It's, okay. There's no question. Yeah. And, and again, like uh, much like with the Jets, like this was one of the best drafts, period. Uh, I, I think it's safe to say, and uh, especially you just look at their day one and day two picks, right? Kyle Hamilton at 14. Uh, Jordan Davis gets taken at 13. The Eagles jumped ahead of them for Jordan Davis. We knew uh, that they would have likely targeted Jordan Davis there, but they get a massive value in Kyle Hamilton, a great fit for uh, a defense and a defensive coordinator and a team that's just shown a willingness to uh, use weapons, right? And, and, and sort of unleash guys on defense. And I think that's exactly what Kyle Hamilton, what you're going to see from him in Baltimore and then to trade back into the first round, Mitch, uh, or no, excuse me. They, tr- let me, let me I'm, early I'm, I'm going to reset this here. I'm just going to reset this. And then, uh, and then Mitch, we see the trade, the Marquise Brown trade, right? Then they send Hollywood Brown, uh, you know, longtime friend of Lamar Jackson to go uh, pair with his former teammate, Kyler Murray in Arizona and they receive a first-round pick. How crazy is that? Marquise Brown was drafted with a first-round pick just a few years ago, and a team was able to trade him for a first-round pick of equivalent value three years later when this guy hasn't, like, been a pro bowler or, like, you know, really exceeded. Incredible value for Baltimore to pick up another first with that. They move back a spot, a couple spots to 25, and take Tyler Linderbaum with that first-round pick. So how about that for a first-round pick, Mitch? the best safety in the class, the best center in the class, and two guys that you can just pencil in as starters and some of the best in, in prospects just regardless of positional value in this draft. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, I mean, they they really nailed that first round. And you know what? Marquise Brown, I think it's a fantastic trade for the Ravens because, look, you, you, you flip Marquise Brown, who is going to be a fantastic fit for the Arizona Cardinals, I think. Though you know, though he doesn't have the I guess production numbers to prove for it, uh, he's going to be a big piece for them. But I don't even think that was their best pick. Neither one of them. I think their best pick became came at David Ojabo out of Michigan mm, in the second yes. round. Oh, I, it just got better. It, you know, it never stopped being good for Baltimore in this draft. Oh no, it didn't. And <laughs> you know, I, like you get the best, you get the best safety, you get the best center, then you nail down a top three outside linebacker, a top three linebacker in general in the entire draft and David Ojabo uh, at the two thirteen. Like th- this is a fantastic draft for the Baltimore Ravens. Huge winners. Those are three day one starters right off the bat in your first three picks. I mean, you don't lose that. You c- you can't be losing in that. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, Ajabo was a top 15 player before he uh, before the injury at his pro day in Michigan. Right. And that's why he falls to the second round. So he's probably a red shirt this year, but that's a huge talent. And the right team was going to find a spot for him that could just roster him and develop him. And man, Baltimore's a great spot for that. They certainly know how to develop edge guys, right? Uh, and David Ojabo is going to thrive there. Uh, and then even Mitch in the third round, getting Travis Jones, uh, the defensive tackle from UConn, who I saw buzz as a late first round potential guy uh, towards the end of the draft. He, they, to get him in the third round, uh, Daniel Falele, the huge lineman out of Minnesota. I mean, he is six, eight, uh, 
350 plus. I mean, he's a huge guy, uh, just a project at offensive line that they're going to be able to work with a couple tight ends that they took. So, you know, I, I, I do think it was a little interesting to see them not take a wide receiver at all, especially after trading away what you would view as their number one wide receiver in Marquise Brown and not immediately replacing him with another weapon. But I do think that with Lamar Jackson and with this team, Marquise Brown was never in, in a great fit, right? What they want to do is they want to be big. They want to yeah. run two tight end set possession wide receivers. Like you want, that is the type of offense that you want to be running. Marquise opened up the deep threat, right? He opened up the field in a lot of good ways, but they still have Devin Duvernay, right? They still have players that can add that speed on the outside in a, in a lesser role that you're not paying a lot of money. And you're opening up Rashad Bateman for more looks. You're opening up other guys for better opportunities. You can throw three tight ends out there and you're not feeling like you're wasting Hollywood Brown on the bench. So I do think in the end, it's the right move for Baltimore. We'll probably see them better off because of it. And I think that's why the first round was spent on Marquise Brown is because he is clearly a better fit in Arizona than he is in Baltimore and Baltimore who has struggled with the deep threat stuff. Uh, D hop is suspended for six games coming up here at the beginning of the year. Christian Kirk never panned out to be what he's going to be. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah, He's gone and and he's gone. So like you need that guy for Kyler Murray to throw to. So that's why he's worth the first rounder, even though, yeah, well, the, let's the be honest. The first rounder is probably just because he's Kyler Murray's friend and former teammate. Well, right? I mean, think, right? Well, like it's just yeah, as simple as that. Oh, you really want him? They really want him, right? That, it's not think just about any it. player. They want Marquise Brown because of his relationship with Kyler. So if you want him, well, the value is going to be high, and you know that Arizona is probably going to pay it because Kyler ain't been happy, right? He's deleted the Instagram shit. I mean, I mean it's and, you, and don't, you don't want to piss off your quarterback. So all of that included, would you have? Marquise Brown, who is a true deep threat for your quarterback with all of that included, or a gamble on right. a late first round wide receiver. No, no doubt. No, and so, I want Marquise Brown. Right. So I'd flip the first rounder. So yeah. that makes and, sense and to me. Worked out excellent for Baltimore again, uh, who then use it on a center, right? What an amazing yeah. <laughs> and then Baltimore well, uses they get it a on Tyler Linderbaum, center. right? I mean it, it's it is incredible stuff. So yes, definitely our favorite class in the AFC North. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. What was your least favorite uh, draft class from this? I did not like Cleveland. Okay, yeah, I went went with Cleveland as well. Yeah. Yeah, I did not like their draft at all. And it was just like, it wasn't like there were bad picks. It was just like, ugh. Like, they weren't explosive. There was nothing super exciting about it. Um, They didn't have a pick until the third round, which I guess maybe is a knock against them. When we, when we take a look back and look at their draft, but um, yeah, just not a terrible, terribly big fan of the, the Cleveland Browns draft. Yeah. You know, I think uh, I will say obviously no first and second, and that's because of the Deshaun Watson trade. So that should be factored right. into this. You know, you would take Deshaun yeah. Watson over whatever two players they got at one and two. That's fine. Uh, they had three third round picks, uh, which they spent on Martin Epper- Emerson, the corner from Mississippi State, Alex Wright, the edge from UAB, uh, and David Bell, wide receiver from Purdue. Uh, I think the issue is is that Emerson was a bit of a reach. So there wasn't the great values at these spots. And, uh, you know, to have such little picks, to have just these late-round picks and not get great value, I think is tough. 
Uh, David Bell, I think, has some potential. He's more of a ready-to-play-now kind of guy than like a high-potential wide receiver. Was highly productive at Purdue. Doesn't have the type of speed and measurables as some of the other wide receivers, hence why he fell too late in the third round. But, uh, you know, I, I, I just think it wasn't great. And honestly, everybody else had good drafts. Pittsburgh had a good draft, and Cincinnati had a good draft. And so Cleveland, you know, they were just kind of... Unfortunately for them, it it just wasn't great, and so that's the least favorite. But right, certainly not bad, right? They didn't they didn't just uh, they didn't do anything horrible, I guess. No. <laughs> All right, Mitch, let's go to the AFC South here. What was your favorite draft class uh, in this division? Um, my favorite draft class here was Houston, the Houston Texans. Okay, I mean, big winners here, Derek Stingley. I, maybe a little bit of a reach by a few picks. Um, I think I talked about him. Being disagree. Like, I disagree. It's a, it's, it's well, not and a you, reach. And you and I have disagreed on this. I, I think he <laughs> might be cornerback three in this draft. You have my, sure. you know, C borderline CB one here. Um, but still, I mean, nonetheless, a great pick. Like I'm not, I'm not going to argue that it's not a good pick. It's a great pick. Um, you go out in the 15th pick, you get Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. You address the offensive line situation. Not like you're trying to invest in Davis Mills in the long haul, but you get the offensive line to, you know, to start to build and solidify that. But I love the Jalen Petrie pick at 205. A guy that we oh, had man. possibly going in the, in the back half of the first round. He goes 205. Uh, safety out of Baylor. Um, then they double down on it, and at 212, they go John Mechie, a good young uh, wide receiver out of Alabama, roll damn tide. Um, a guy that can uh, is going to be a kind of a shifty, uh, underneath route type of quarterback or quarterback wide receiver. Um, I, I really love their first four picks here, and not just because Mechie was number. You know, Mitch, he's an Alabama guy. I'm not going to just say I love the first four picks because he's there, but <laughs> I really do love the first four picks because they really address needs. And not to mention Christian Harris, another Alabama guy, rolled damn tight yeah. inside line. No wonder you like this draft. Now it makes sense. It's all the, it's all the, <laughs> the Bama guys. No, you know, here's the thing. I, I had Hugh, I did not have Houston as my favorite draft. So I'll get to my favorite in a second, but okay. Houston was right there. I kind of had two options here. I was debating between and Stingley at three is a great value. I do like that there. Um, they could have gone edge and they could have gone Thibodeau and I would have been fine with that. They could have gone Iquanu. One of the tackles would have been great or either any of the corners and they went Stingley and that's good. Uh, Kenyon green, you know, uh, he was more of a late first, early second guy for me. Uh, though I do think that he was likely to go in the first, but we saw sort of a run on guards after this. So I think Texans sort of wisely identified that that was something they wanted. And you saw Zion Johnson go off the board after that, right? And you saw some of these offensive linemen kind of dry up there pretty quick. So, uh, you know, if they were to try to wait to the early second, they wouldn't have had such great options. So in hindsight, I think, uh, you know, I was maybe a little, I didn't like that pick as much to begin with, uh, though they did trade back. That was the trade with the Eagles, right? Where the Eagles jumped up for Jordan Davis. So they trade back two spots to pick up a fourth and two fifths uh, to, you know, bump back two spots and pick Kenyon Green. So I'm not going to be overly critical of that. Uh, Jalen Petrie is one of my favorite players in this draft. I talked about him on the players to know before the NFL draft and his fit with Kansas City was something I really loved. And I love just 
I, I just love Mitch, and, and we talked about this with the Texans. They needed to get foundational pieces, right? That was going to be the goal in my mind. If you're the Texans, foundational pieces in this draft. And I think Derek Stingley, Jalen Petrie, foundational pieces for the future of your secondary, well done. That is a great, that's a great place to start for the Texans on defense and starting in the secondary. I love that. You've given yourself solid interior offensive line. And a wide receiver in John Mechie, who, uh, if if not for his late season injury, could have maybe been a first round guy, right? But has that injury late in the season for Alabama, so he will miss some time, but could be huge value there. Damian Pierce, the running back out of Florida, who goes in the fourth round, I think uh, is is a nice shot there. And and Thomas Booker, the defensive tackle out of Stanford, Mitch, I met him at Pac-12 Media Day, a guy who expected to maybe go second or third round before this season started. Didn't quite pan out, but uh, could have good value for them in the fifth. So I did think the Texans had a very, a, 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 a really a pretty good draft. Yeah, Houston, Houston, definitely my favorite. Um, and, uh, but it sounds like it's not your favorite. It sounds like you have one that's a little bit better than that. No, I do, Mitch. And this was close for me, but I am actually going to go with the Colts. I'm going to have Indianapolis as my favorite draft class out of the AFC South. And, uh, you know, they didn't have a first round pick, right? Because of the Carson Wentz trade and uh, for the Carson Wentz trade, they get two third round picks and that's not great. And so uh, for not having a first round pick, I liked what I liked what the Colts did, right? That second round pick, Alec Pierce. I've seen some criticism of this pick, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati, but I like him for Matt Ryan, and I like him in this wide receiver core. They needed to get a wide receiver, another weapon, and they added one in Alec Pierce. Uh, he's a red zone type threat. I think him and Michael Pittman combined good size. Pittman is more of a slot kind of guy. He is not a big body type receiver. He doesn't play like that. But that's two guys with big size that's going to help your that your quarterback out a lot. And then, Mitch, one of my favorite guys, a guy I talked about, player to know before the NFL draft, Jelani Woods, the tight end out of Virginia. We all remember, right? This is the six foot seven, 253 pound weapon. And who did we talk about, Mitch, when we talked about him on the podcast? Mo Alley Cox. And who drafted this guy? Indianapolis. Of course they did, right? Because they already have Mo Alley Cox. So why not just get another similar freak athlete to find in the red zone in Jelani Woods? They get one of my favorite values and steals of the draft by snagging Bernard Ryman in the third round, a guy who I thought should have gone in the first round, a guy that if he plays tackle for him, great. If he plays guard for him, great. Uh, and then Nick Cross, the safety out of Maryland. I think a great safety product alongside Julian Blackman, going to shore up the safety position for this Indianapolis Colts team. So I thought they got great value, Mitch, with without having a first-round pick and having three third-round picks. I thought they did a great job of getting what they needed while also uh, getting some good value. I think you've enlightened me because I had Indy as my least favorite. Um, okay, but that's okay. I honestly, this I and we talked about this before we started recording. This was one of the toughest divisions to pick a least favorite draft out of yeah. because they were all very, very good. True. So, true. Um, I, I, I don't have a particular reason why Indy is my least favorite. That's okay. Maybe there's a big a lack of big names. Maybe you don't like the, white wide receivers. It's fine. Alec Pierce is a white guy, and that's why you don't like it. It's all good, Mitch. We see through your nah. <laughs> your bias. <laughs> Well, oh yeah, I'm biased. Yo, white guy hates white white receivers. Yeah, whatever. Just teasing. Um, you know, the only uh, thing I will say, Mitch, and the only thing I will say is the way that this draft played out, I would have liked 
to see them take a shot on a quarterback in the third round, right? With the way that everything fell, and yes, they have Matt Ryan, and yes, that Matt Ryan's your two-year starter at least. You're hoping for maybe even more, but like, I, I, I with three third-round picks, I think there's value that they could have took a shot at Corral, or they could have took a shot on Willis if he was dropping. Right? They had some flexibility in that perfect range that you maybe I would have liked to to see them take a shot on that on, on a quarterback there. But other than that, I don't really have many criticisms of the of this class. I don't no. either. I yeah. just I had Fair to enough. put someone there. No, and AFC South was tough, and Tennessee had a great draft. Uh, you know, obviously snagging Malik Willis as a great value. Uh, though I don't love the trade for AJ Brown and trying to replace him with Traylon Burks. I do think that's bad process, bad business. If you have the proven commodity, keep it. Don't trade it for what you hope is the next proven commodity. But that is not my least favorite, Mitch. My least favorite was Jacksonville. Oh really? I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Jacksonville, and and again, just like you, this is uh, a tough division to evaluate because uh, everyone had a pretty good draft, and uh, I think Trayvon Walker, I'm o- I'm okay with it at, at one, Mitch, but he was not my number one edge, and he was not my number two edge, uh, and I do think that if he doesn't work out, this is going to be viewed as a very big reach. Right. Mm -hmm. Because he was not anywhere close to draft boards until very late. And they seem like they probably were the only team that was that high on him. Uh, And so I think there's pressure there. Uh, I love the trade back up for Devin Lloyd. I love the value of Devin Lloyd. I was very high on him. He was like a top 15 player for me. So falling all the way to 27 coming up to get him is fine. But then they drafted Chad Muma in the third round at linebacker after they also signed Foyer Luacon to like a three-year, $45 million contract this offseason. So now they're playing two linebackers, and they just drafted two guys in the top 100 picks after signing a guy for $15 million a year in the offseason, and you can't even play all three of those guys together. So that just... I love Chad Muma. I think he's a great player. I love Devin Lloyd. I think they're great players. They can't play together, though, especially when you're already paying a linebacker $15 million a year. So I just... I think... I, I think process-wise, that were those were some of my issues, even though I did like some of the players they picked up. I can understand that sentiment. Um, I was just so high on Devin Lloyd. And yeah. that that I, and that was I a great value for them. Yeah, I love that at 27. Um, you, you know, you've you got to love the Trayvon Walker pick. I mean, even though he's probably – maybe yeah, I think he was number two on my, on my big board, I think, as far as edge goes – Aiden Hutchinson probably would have gotten the edge on him or did get the edge on him. Um, you know, it's just, uh, it, I, I didn't hate, I didn't hate the Jacksonville draft. Yep. And honestly, outside of sauce Gardner, they did get the best name out of the draft with Snoop Connor out of Ole Miss. Yes. The running um, back. Yeah. So they got probably arguably the best name out of the draft in the fifth round. Uh, number 11 out of Ole Miss. So Can we get a top five 2022 NFL draft names next week. Sure. I want you to look through all 256 picks. I want you to f- give me a, the top five best names in this draft. Okay. Can we do that. That sounds great. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably have two top fives then because we got a series going on, but that you is know. right. You've got a great series going on for the off season, but I'd love to see, cause there were some good names in this one. I bet the top five would be real interesting. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. We'll do all that. right. I like it. Uh, Mitch, let's go to the AFC West final uh, division here in the AFC Uh, and the favorite uh, I'm going to start and I'm going to go with Kansas city. And I have a feeling 
you're going to go the same, uh, which is why I just kind of went for it because Kansas city was one of the winners of the NFL draft period. Right. And they certainly had uh, the best, uh, at least my favorite of this uh, division, right. Trading up for Trent McDuffie, a guy who, again, I was very high on all three of these corners. They were all top 12 to me. McDuffie falling to the twenties is still absurd to me, but they move up from 29 to 21 giving up a third and a fourth rounder in the process. So that's, you know, decent value, but I think McDuffie is worth it because they had such a big need in outside corner after losing Chardarius Ward to the char- uh, to the Niners this year. Uh, McDuffie fits perfectly in Kansas City in their zone scheme. I mean, ah, I just love the kid. He went to a fantastic scenario, Mitch. And then with that other second round pick, just getting the Greek freak, just falling into your lap at 30, a guy, Carl Loftus, who I thought would go top 20. I mean, they got great values. They traded up for one of them. They stayed put for the other in the first round, but they nailed it with McDuffie and Carl Loftus there. I thought that was excellent. I mean, they also really, really nailed it too. I think with Sky Moore. Yeah. Well, I was, kind was... Of, I was saving. I just, I wanted to, I mean, this was such a good draft. I was trying to go day by day. You want to jump to the, to the cherry oh, on top. Uh, I, love I mean, it. let's just jump to it, man. <laughs> You know, we got a lot of teams left to get to. Dallas and Sky Moore was uh, a fantastic pick at 222 out of West Michigan. Um, replaces uh, a, a lost Tyreek Hill, who who knows how long he spends in Miami after all the shit he talked about Tua. But I digress. You know, the you, when you when you're Kansas City and you're Number one right now is Michael Hardman. You can't just trust that Michael Hardman's going to step up and be a number one. You have to go find someone else. And Sky Moore, who has number one potential, I think, um, is a absolutely is an absolute steal in the late half of the second. Um, obviously, you mentioned Karloftis and Trent McDuffie. Um, great additions to the to the defense. Something that Kansas City has been struggling with over the last couple of years, but. Um, yeah, they're the definite winners in the AFC West as far as the draft goes. Yeah, you know, Mitch, uh, uh, in, in reference to Sky Moore, uh, you know, he was a he was a Hill guy for me. I had him as a first-round pick, and I died on that Hill, and I've died. I did not get that. He was not a first-round pick. He By the way, second. Yeah, we didn't we get bo- any of ours. So no, we we both died uh, multiple times. Yeah, so we'll, we'll talk about another one here uh, in the NFC. Uh, but uh with Sky Moore, I mean, that's one of my favorite values there. Uh, and and just like, this is a great example of this, Mitch. They got Sky Moore after they traded back four spots with, with New England. And who did New England move up to take? Tyquan Thornton. So the Patriots are moving up for Tyquan Thornton. And the Chiefs are just trading back and picking up Sky Moore anyways. Like, I, I, I think it was great value. And then uh, the way that they just really retooled this defense. McDuffie, Karloftis in the first round. Brian Cook at the end of the second, great safety out of Cincinnati. Leo Chanel, uh, linebacker out of Wisconsin, who's just going to add to a young linebacker core. They took Nick Bolton last year out of Missouri. That's another great piece there. Uh, Darian Kennard, the guard out of Kentucky in the fifth, who uh, really just fell. I, I think could have been a day a day two kind of guy, uh, but just a, another great value for Kansas City. I just thought things really fell really well for them. They addressed all the positions that they needed and did it with great value. So, uh, I mean, the Chiefs just really nailed it, Mitch. Uh, oh, yeah. As far as the least favorite, then who uh, who was your least favorite uh, draft in the AFC West? Then I'm a, I'm a supporter of them, but not a fan of the Raiders. Raiders, not a, not a fan of the Raiders picks. 
Um, they addressed the the need on interior def, uh, offensive line with Dylan Parham, uh, the guard out of Memphis. Um, but outside of that, man, it, they didn't pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth year option. Then they go out and dra- draft Samir White uh, out of Georgia, which I think he's he's just fine. But I don't think he's anything special. It just seems like a very uh, unproductive draft it just seems like a bunch of practice squad guys a bunch of the deep depth guys there's there's just there's nothing to be excited about here yeah you know i went with las vegas as well mitch and uh you know they didn't have a first and a second uh right you know because of the Devonte adams trade and that's uh you know that's that's fine you got Devonte adams that's that's worth it whatever but uh dylan parnham i think it's a good third round pick i like adding on the offensive line there uh, and like, I'm kind of with you, the Zemir white, it's like, okay, couple D tackles, nothing in the secondary though. Right. I mean, they have such a need at, at a cornerback to me. Uh, and even in the second level at linebacker that they could have addressed that they didn't address at a single point. Right. And taking running back when you already have Josh Jacobs and you're paying Kenyon Drake, right. Like how two much running backs, how much, I mean, seventh round or whatever, but how much are you, is Zemir white even seeing the, seeing the field as your third running back and, is that the best you could do with your fourth round pick, especially when you had limited draft capital, right? You don't have picks to waste. You traded away picks for play, for a player, right? So when you've you know given away those early picks, those mid round picks, you have to hit. You have to be strategic. You've got to get fill needs, get high value positions, and it seems like you know maybe just some missed opportunities there. And uh, you know, I mean, it's hard to critique a ton when you only had a late third and a couple fourths, but. Again, it just uh, doesn't feel like any of those are anything to be super excited about. I'm with you there. Yeah, no way. All right, Mitch, let's jump to the NFC and let's go to the NFC East and your favorite draft class from the NFC East. The New York Giants. The Giants. Um, Both New York teams drafted fantastic. Yeah, Giants, two top 10 picks. Got Kayvon Thibodeau, uh, the edge guy out of Oregon, and Evan Neal. Uh, roll damn tied the offensive tackle out of Alabama. Um, look, the only gripe that I really have out of this entire draft is the two eleven pick with Wandale Robinson. Yeah. They had, they had a lot of other opportunities. You know, they had another opportunity to take a, a better wide receiver at that spot, but going with Wandale Robinson, that yeah, not a big fan of that, but I feel like that both New York teams really, made off pretty good in this draft. So I like the giants here. But. Yeah. And again, like I said, with the jets, when you have two top 10 picks, it's hard to mess up, right? You'd have to do something really dumb to mess it up. And the giants didn't mess up the first round, right? They, all the tackles were on the board, but they took cave Thibodeau knowing that they were going to get two out of the three coming back around at seven Panthers take one. They take Evan Neal and you're sitting pretty feeling happy about Thibodeau and Evan Neal. But I think after that is where I have my issues with the Giants, which is why I didn't have them as my favorite, Uh, because, again, Wandale Robinson, much better value. We just talked about Sky Moore, who is still there. Right. Wandale Robinson's on the board. And uh, so, you know, you just sort of wonder, like, what, why, why that move and. you know, it, it, again, like they're going to it's it's Kadar, it's Kadarius Tony replacement. And this is a new regime, but you spent a first round pick on Kadarius Tony. Who you're probably going to cut because you can't trade him. And now you replaced him with the second round pick, both of whom were players that were overvalued and overdrafted for what they're doing as sort of gadgety type players. It just seems like the value 
could have been better there. And if you're going to take a wide receiver, maybe a more valuable player who you know is going to be able to get touches, you don't have to manufacture, uh, you know, sort of plays for. I feel like some of their third, fourth round picks, maybe bits of reaches here and there, those are hard to judge. But uh, again, I think that's why they weren't my favorite. My favorite, Mitch, out of the NFC East is uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. I think the Eagles had a hell of a draft, and I'm combining all of their moves. One, trading a first-round pick for A.J. Brown, a fantastic move, better than any wide receiver they would have got at that point. So I love securing a real for-sure weapon for Jalen Hurts to pair with Devontae Smith. Uh, But then securing Jordan Davis. Listen, Jordan Davis, we've talked about him, but uh, you know, I think certain places he's going to be able to succeed, and I feel like, Philly is one of those places that knows defensive line, that values defensive line, will probably get the most out of him. I love Cam Jurgens in the second round. Jason Kelsey even said he's literally me. He's like the most pers- prospect I've ever seen closest to me, and he's going to learn from Jason Kelsey and take over. It's like the perfect secession plan. And N'Kobe Dean, Mitch, falling to the third round and snagging N'Kobe Dean in the third round out of Georgia, I thought was huge value for Philly. And on top of that, Mitch, they had three first rounders this year, and they already traded one of those to the Saints before the draft for a future first. So on top of all the players they got and trading for A.J. Brown, they were also able to acquire a future first next year that will be even more valuable to them. So I just thought Philly did a really good job, uh, and I am really a big fan of the moves they made. Yeah, I mean, I love the I love the move for Brown. I really do. I just what they picked here, I'm not a big fan of. And I, I you can go read the article. Uh Jordan Davis, I just think he is going to be a gimmicky type player. I really do. He doesn't have three down ability. He gets gassed early. His effort is in question. Um, I know the size and strength is really, really attractive, but I'm not a Jordan Davis guy. And I think that he was overdrafted here. Um, He might have, I personally, a third round pick that was taken in the top 15. Um, And I I just am not a big fan of Jordan Davis. Um, The Kobe Dean, uh, I feel like was a steal, but man, I was not a fan of what Philly did. And, so were and, they your least favorite? No, they weren't. They actually okay. weren't. So no. who was your least no, favorite? My my least favorite was Washington. Okay. Just I had seemed, the I had the same as well. Yeah. Yeah. That Washington was just like you're at 16, and obviously you need wide receiver, and you go Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. I mean, you had your choice. You had your choice at at basically outside of the top three. You had your choice. And you went Jahan Dotson. It just, it doesn't make sense to me. Sam Howell in the fifth is really the only name that I, oh, well, ex- except for Brian Robinson. How about your two, your two Bama guys, Fedarian Mathis and Brian Robinson? Yeah, I, yeah. You but should it, love this pick, these picks. Come on, man. Yeah, I, I still don't think Robinson translates well into the NFL level. And I guess Mathis could pan out, but Robinson also fits because he's kind of a bigger back. Um, he might be a change of pace guy for Antonio Gibson at best, but and but Antonio Gibson's a guy who's six one and has good. Si- I mean, he's speedy, but I mean, he's got good size 
you know, himself. It, I, that's why I went with Washington as well, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think the Dotson thing, they picked up a third and fourth to move back five spots with the Saints, right? They would have been better off just taking Chris Olave at 11. You know what I yeah. mean? Like, they traded back and they got Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson. If you would have put this in reverse and said you could get Chris Olave or you could get Jahan Dotson and Brian Robinson, who are you taking? I'd take well, Olave. I, oh, eight, times Olave out of, yeah. eight times, nine times out of ten. I mean, so I think that's my, my – like trading back, great value, extra picks, whatever. But I don't love the fit with Dotson and McLaurin. Uh, I don't think that was the best wide receiver on the board there. Fedarian Mathis, maybe a bit of a reach in the mid-second. Uh, a, a spot that they have – uh, you know, Jaron Reed, they have like defensive line. That's not the place that they really, you know, I feel like need that sort of help and running back sort of the same thing, right? Not the place where you think they need help. They need help other places and they're spending day two picks uh, at those positions. Uh, just a little strange. Again, the, the only thing that really saves this from being horrible is getting Sam Howell in the fifth, which is just an incredible value and well worth the shot on, on hell, right? I mean, come on in the fifth round. Why not? If he turns out into a backup, you're happy. Right. But I mean, right. this is a guy that people thought could go in the first. So, I mean, well worth it in the fifth. Uh, and so, I mean, I'm it, Washington. That was a tough, it was a tough draft. It's a tough draft. Also second time they've taken a wide receiver with the last name Dotson in the first round. The first one was Josh Dotson, a top five pick. Um, that never panned out. He was at a TCU. Former TCU. Yeah. 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 So tough, man. Tough. Avoid him. Yeah. Tough look. Tough look for guys with the last name Dotson. Gotta know the trends. Gotta know the trends, huh? Yeah. All righty, Mitch. Let's go to the NFC North, the home of your Bears. We'll see where they stack up in this. Well, let's start with you. What was your favorite? I have a feeling you're not going to pick your Bears for this, but what was your favorite draft class in this division? actually really liked the lions draft i had detroit i had detroit as well i had the lions as well aiden hutchinson uh jameson williams josh pascal uh was a great defensive end out of kentucky um i love the i love the lions the lions draft here and you know they addressed the needs that they need uh yeah the quarterback is still going to be it and i love that they paused on the quarterback um, because this looks like this next college draft class is going to be a little bit better at the quarterback position. A I lot better. They, they put the pause button. Yeah, a lot better. But they put the pause button on there and said, hey, look, we're going to roll with Jared Goff. Whatever happens, happens. And we're going to try to build around whatever is going to be that future quarterback. So getting defensive end, getting safety. Uh, Mitch, with teams that are that are just rebuilding, right? And when you look at the draft, it is about finding foundational pieces, right? Guys that you can build your team around on offense and defense, respectively. And that's exactly what Detroit did in this draft, right? They nailed it. They got the, it, it fell perfectly to them to get the hometown hero, Aiden Hutchinson, at number two. Could not have played out better for Detroit that Trayvon Walker went number one. So they get Hutchinson at two and then they trade all the way up from 32 to 12 for Jamison Williams, who is going to miss half of the season, you know, at least part of the beginning of the season. But this is not a team that might, they might not even want him this year, Mitch, because they're not thinking about 2022. They're thinking about 2023 and, and, you know, good for them, smart of them to do that. And I think with this trade in 20 spots is a lot to trade up. 
20 spots is a lot to trade up, but this was the trade compensation. They got number 12 and number 46. So a that mid first and the mid second from Minnesota. And they gave up the 32nd pick in the draft. So that final pick in the first, the 34th pick in the draft and the 66th pick in the draft. Great and I think that that is great value. That I am okay with that. You didn't give up a future first. You didn't give up any future picks. You had a couple seconds to work with, so you gave up one of them, right? You give up a third. You give up that late first means nothing to you. You go all the way up to 12, and you still had the 46, that second rounder, which they got Josh, Josh Pascal. So they move up for Jamison Williams, still get Josh Pascal, uh, the edge out of Kentucky, who I really like. And Williams and Aiden Hutchinson – and Penny Sewell the year before, all of those players are foundational pieces at high-value positions. Jeffrey Okuda, you can even look to the year before that if Okuda is a part of their future, if they value him uh, even though they didn't draft him, right? Corner, tackle, edge, wide receiver, high-value positions. They're building around those. And then ideally, in 2023, as you pointed out, then you hit the quarterback. Then you circle around. You get your quarterback, and now you have your foundation, and you're just building around those guys. And so I think Detroit did a fantastic job with that, and it's a big part of why I I did really like uh, I really liked their draft. I thought Detroit had did a pretty solid job. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, I didn't I didn't love anybody in this division to be honest. I thought Detroit had a good draft. I didn't think they had a great one. I didn't really like anybody else. To be honest, I didn't really love what anybody else did. Even Minnesota, who gets all that capital and the trade back, it just, I don't really love what they ended up doing with it. So, yeah. Um, speaking of that, I hated, outside of one pick, I hated the Chicago Bears draft. <sighs> are they your least favorite? They are my least favorite. They're out, out, They're- out, outside of the Kyler Gordon pick, I just don't like this draft. Jaquan Jaquan Brisker taken at 216. And you had all the opportunity in the world to go take a wide receiver. Sky Moore was still there. Yeah. When what do the Bears need? They need wide receiver. They need wide receiver. What are we doing again? What who's Justin Fields gonna throw to? Fat guy in the third road at Soldier Field? What are you kidding me? Who's he gonna throw to? God, I hate this draft for them. I love the Kyler Gordon pick. But from that pick on, God, it was such a bad draft. It's terrible. It, it's tough, Mitch, because I, I had them as my Unforgivable. <laughs> okay, well, all right. I don't know if it's that bad. but It's bad. It's so here's bad. The thing. I had Chicago as my least favorite. Felix again, I, Jones? I didn't love what? a are you kidding me? I, I didn't love a lot of the, the draft classes in this division. And we talked about this. I asked you how you felt about the Gordon and Brisker picks. And again, I and this is what I told you. I think they're both great players. And I think in a vacuum, adding into your secondary, a secondary you've already invested some er, sec, second rounder in Jalen Johnson, right? A couple of years ago, right? You have pieces in your secondary you already invested in. You're adding more, building on the secondary. I like that. That's great. The problem is, is that you're a team with no first round pick because you traded up for the quarterback last year, a quarterback who still has a subpar offensive line and a very bad receiving group. And you address that with a third round pick 
and a fifth rounder and sixth round offensive lineman. Like, right. That like, so corner safety secondary, that's great in a vacuum, but not on this team. The value could have been better. Velas Jones jr. Is a terrible pick. He's like 25 years old. He's like our age, Mitch. He played seven years of college. He's a speed guy who just has never amounted to anything in college. And then you're, and then we're talking about fifth and sixth rounders who you just can't be relying on. So with a team that had such little uh, opportunity, two second rounders, right? Cause you got one for Khalil Mack. So you had two seconds and a third and they just should have got, they should have done much better with those three picks than they did. Just plain and simple. Braxton Jones, Southern Utah, that kid, he's fun, but he's a fifth rounder. You know, like how much can you love that? I don't. I don't. I, I, I can tell. I can tell. I hate looking at that draft board. Let's move right, on. Let's, let's move on to here. the to my division, Mitch, the NFC South. And what was your favorite draft from the NFC South? Look, <laughs> this one was another tough one because there's two. I want to give the special shout out. And I know we just, I talked about how bad my Bears draft was. I want to give the shout out. To your Carolina Panthers. Oh, yes. Let's talk. Because they were not my favorite either, but I did want to talk about her because it was pretty good. So let's do it this was first. Good. Let's it do was this good. first. Yes. I Carolina. Mean, you get, get Ika McQuanu, number six. I... You, every, every chip falls exactly the way you want it to fall, and you have your choice. You have your choice at all of the offensive linemen, and you actually go out and you get – one of the best two, if not the best one. I mean, I'll, I love that pick at six for, for Iquanu. Yeah. Right. No, I, yeah, I know. I mean, it, like the Panthers would have been happy if one of the tackles was on the board at six, right? If it was Charles cross, they would have just been grateful. They had a chance to draft one of them, right? The fact that all three were there uh, certainly uh, not, you didn't see that coming for Carolina and, and uh, I, you know, and I liked Evan Neal. You liked Evan Neal. We had him, as number one on both of our boards, right? Number one in our mock drafts. We were both high on Neil, but he was on the hill. Yeah. Aquanu made the most sense at six for Carolina. He is a Charlotte guy played at North Carolina state. He's a local guy. He fits like the type of mentality that has been McAdoo offense next year. So that I'm not mad that they took Aquanu over Neil. I think it's a great pick. Just grateful that they got that. And Mitch just the board fell perfectly for Carolina throughout the draft, right? They didn't have a day two pick. They had no second or no third, but the quarterbacks fall all the way to date to the third round. And they move back into the third round, trading a fourth and a future third for Matt Corral, which listen, they could have took Matt Corral in the first round, like legitimately. I mean, people mocked them quarterbacks all the time in the first round. And and it would not have surprised if they took a quarterback in the first round. Instead, they get one at the 94th overall pick. And they get a guy who no pressure to start doesn't disqualify you from taking a quarterback next year in the draft. If you find yourself in that position, right? Like it's a third round pick. Who the hell cares? If it works out great. Apparently he was the QB one on their draft board. Ben McAdoo loves this kid. So we'll see what the fit goes. But I mean, man, nobody uh, there. There are a few teams that really benefited the way the board fell. We talked about a lot of them already. Kansas City, Baltimore. I think Carolina was a big winner in that regard. No, Carolina was a huge winner there. Um, I think that we had a very valuable lesson this year in NFL in the NFL draft. Before I get to my favorite, uh, I think it's very important to point out that we had we we learned a valuable lesson. Is that I think that 
us as sports guys, sports fans, sports analysts overvalue quarterbacks. And that, you know, the NFL is always going to value guys a different way than what fans and analysts value guys that way. I mean, we were talking about you and I were talking about maybe three or four quarterbacks going in the first round. Yep. There was one and not a single quarterback taken in the second round. Right. So like we, we, like the way we value quarterbacks just is different from the way the NFL does. Yep. And, um, and I, and I, and I think that's just, and I think it's fair. I, I think Matt Corral's talented. I don't think he was first round worthy or second round worthy, but like, you're going to value him that way because of the way the NFL is built nowadays and the value of the quarterback position. Right. And the position. And I will say, Mitch, I think to to maybe add to that, uh, not that I disagree with you. I I will add though, that I think going into this draft, a lot of the assumption was that the NFL values quarterbacks. And therefore, even though we know these guys aren't as good, it's not that anyone thought Matt Corral was as good as Justin Fields Trey Lance in the class last year, or even Malik, well, like none of these guys, right? Collectively, we understood this was a step below some of the previous draft classes. Sure. But I yeah. think there was an assumption that the that the NFL would value them anyways, right? That it wouldn't matter. They would still be drafted higher. And what we learned is that that's not the case, that the NFL does pay attention to trends. They do know what quarterbacks are valuable or not. And I do think a large part of why we saw quarterbacks fall the way that they did and why a lot of teams who could have took quarterback in the second round, third round pass, just didn't even draft one is because teams know how valuable the quarterback class is next year. And last year we saw five quarterbacks go in the top 15 because they were all worth it. Right. And we'll see what next year brings, but I think teams understand that there was better opportunities next year. So would you rather you know, take a second round pick on Malik Willis and feel like you have to start him or have a shot on a first rounder next year. You feel more confident in. So it is, we did learn something about quarterbacks this off season. Certainly uh, the way the NFL values them. Not every draft class is going to be uh, overvalued. You know, if they're really not first round picks, the NFL will not take them in the first round. And uh, I mean, we certainly saw that in this, uh, in this year's draft. Right. No, absolutely. But okay, um, Mitch, so who was uh, Carolina? Thanks for ta- I was going to mention them. So I'm glad you yeah. brought it up a little more, a uh, little less uh, fanboy than when I bring it up. But uh, who was your favorite <laughs> draft class then from the uh, NSC's out? I love the Atlanta Falcons. Draft okay. class. I'm, I'm right there I with you, buddy. It. The dirty birds killed it. Look, they got the quarterback, right? Desmond Ritter in the third round. We talked about, you know, this, I know another hill. Another yeah, yeah. Uh, hill that I died on there with Desmond Ritter going in the back half of the first. He doesn't go until the third, but you know what? That's okay because I love this fit for Desmond Ritter as well because they also pick up Drake London in the first round with the eighth overall pick. Um, and they actually get Dallin steal of the draft for me. Fifth round, eighth pick, running back out of BYU, Tyler Algier, and I am not exaggerating when I say this. He may be the best running back out of this draft class when it's all said and done. Because he has not only got the size, the speed, the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield, but he was also taken at 
at absolute value in the fifth round. He only has to compete with Cordell Patterson, who is a wide receiver by trade. <laughs> the only reason he's playing running back is because he's fast. That's the only reason he's playing running back. He has the biggest opportunity for the largest workload. I think of all the, of, of the other two running backs, I would put maybe in the same tier as him, which would be Ken Walker and Brees Hall. I think that Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier is the steal of the draft in the fifth round, eighth pick. I love this draft primarily because of the steal they got with Tyler Algier. I love that I've indoctrinated you into caping for these BYU guys so much so that I don't even have to do it because I was ready to do it on this pod. You just did it for me, my friend. Thank you. Cause I, I'm right there with you. Listen, I, I got on the radio in Salt Lake the week before the NFL draft. And I guaranteed that Tyler Algier would not slip out of the fourth round. And here he was in the fifth round getting drafted by the Falcons. And I was very bummed about that, but this is just a fantastic fit for him as a player, an opportunity. As you said, I mean, the starting job's wide open and, and Algier is going to fit this zone running scheme that Arthur Smith is bringing from Tennessee oh, yeah. to a T. And that's exactly uh, where you'd want to see Algier. So I think it's great value for them in the fifth, but Mitch, I mean, just this, this whole draft was great for them getting Drake London at eight. They need a wide receiver. I mean, Kyle Pitts, Drake, London. That's a nice for whoever the QB of the future is in Atlanta. That's a nice combo to be throwing to, right? They trade, they trade, uh, they trade up. They trade a fourth rounder to move up for Arnold Ebicady, uh, the, the edge from Penn state who had some first round buzz raw prospect, but, but somebody who uh, I think a lot of people really like it again, uh, Edge so valuable that taking a shot on a guy in a second round with traits is, is big. Troy Anderson, the linebacker out of Montana State, if you don't know this kid, was a quarterback in high school, played running back, quarterback, and linebacker at Montana State. Uh, like his literally, like he was, he was recruited as a linebacker. They moved him to quarterback because the quarterback got suspended. Then they moved him to running back because the running back got suspended. And then he played linebacker. He is uber athletic. Uh, he's got all the traits that teams want. So taking that guy in the second and then Desmond Ritter in the third, I may, I mean, I, I, I like Desmond Ritter a lot. I like Ritter a lot. I had him going. Yeah. This might be a top three draft of all the teams. I mean, it was very much. I rank it up. It's underrated. I don't think people are talking about it enough. And I, I think with Ritter, he's a guy who I had in the first round. I thought was worthy of a top 50 pick falls all the way to the third. He's the second quarterback off the board, but you have Marcus Mariota. You have Desmond Ritter. If you suck next year and you've got a shot on Bryce young, it doesn't stop you from getting that guy either, right? So you right. put yourself in a perfect position. If Ritter develops, he's a steal. If he doesn't, he's nothing to you. You wasted nothing. And then again, as you mentioned with Algier and some of those other uh, day three picks, I just thought they did a well, uh, a great job. So building for the future as they sort of reset this franchise, I thought foundational pieces, again, Ritter, London, Ebikati could be that out of Penn State, and maybe even Algier in the fifth round. Like I just, man, Atlanta did a, did a wonderful job. Well I done just, by I, Atlanta. I want to say, make it very clear, Dallin did not brainwash me to be a BYU <laughs> fan. <laughs> I got to watch Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier play, and I loved his game. I loved his yeah. game. Just so happened 
that my co-host happens to cover <laughs> BYU football. So he's easy to love, man. I mean, you watch some Algier tape from BYU, man. I mean, come on. He is, yeah. uh, he is awesome. Mitch, Absolutely. what was your least favorite uh, class uh, in this division? Yeah, I didn't like Tampa Bay's draft at all. Tampa Bay. Okay. Mitch going with the yeah. bucks. Yeah. I mean, it just, it was again, very, very, I mean, they didn't have, uh, a pick until the first pick of the second round. Uh, Logan Hall, I guess, is if a fine... yeah they traded out of the first, right, the late first into that early right. second. So you know you get the big uh, edge guy out of uh, out of Houston with Logan Hall, six six two eighty three, and that's that's just a fine pick. But man, nothing that blows your socks off here. And I I, I talked about like this was a tough division to pick um, as far as as what your favorite draft was. There just nothing was. There was nothing that blew my socks off with this one. Tampa Bay's, I think, probably my least favorite. This okay. Whole yeah. You know, I, I, Tampa Bay was not in contention for my favorite, but they're kind of in the middle. Uh, I, I, you know, Logan Hall, I think, is good value in the second. I like uh, Gadec, Gadecki, uh, the tackle out of Central Michigan. Yeah, Luke Gadecki. Uh, pl- played on the other side of Bernard Ryman. Uh, it probably moves inside, but has some potential. Shot right. White is a good complimentary back. Uh, out of Arizona State in the third round, and even Kate Otten, the tight end out of Washington, I think is intriguing. But I, you know, it wasn't a knock it out of the park draft, but uh, certainly nothing. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it was horrible. But uh, my right. least favorite, Mitch, I'm going with New Orleans. I'm actually going mm. with the Saints on this one, and it, you know, I like the the first round picks that they got right. Chris Olave moving up for Olave, and in retrospect, seeing the run on wide receivers that ensued, right? We saw. Wilson go at 10, Alave at 11, Jamison Williams at 12. You saw Jahan Dodson at 16, right? We saw like a bit of a run on wide receivers there. And so New Orleans wisely sensing that moves up to secure one of the top guys. And I do like that. I do like Trevor Penning. That was a natural fit with them. It just, you know, is a sort of pairing that made sense. Uh, But they gave up a third and a fourth to move up for Chris Alave. Uh, their second round pick in Alante Taylor, I thought was a bit of a reach. I don't love him at corner. And I, I guess the reason why I don't like this Mitch is because this is, uh, the types of moves that you make when you think you're competing and winning now. And I don't understand why new Orleans thinks they're competing and winning now. I just don't. I think mm-hmm. with Jamison Winston and I think with the first year coach and Dennis Allen, right. With new Orleans, like this is a new regime. It, this could have been a reset, right? This could have been an opportunity where if you have a third or fourth round pick and you didn't trade that away, maybe you can take a corral. Maybe you can take a Willis, right? Instead, you traded away those opportunities uh, and you made win now moves. And I don't see that window being there for New Orleans. So I do sort of question that as a team building, though, again, as those first round picks love those prospects, they'll be great for New Orleans. Uh, but that was basically their whole draft, right? Those two guys in the first, Alante Taylor in the second, and then they had a fifth and a sixth, uh, right? Because they traded away the third and the fourth in that Alave uh, move. And they traded away more capital to pick up the extra first rounder, right? So if you look at the Alave trade, because that was the pick that they acquired from the Eagles, I mean, they traded away five or six picks for Chris Olave, essentially, by trading into the first and then trading up in the first uh, that is just a lot of capital for one player when your quarterback is Jameis Winston, right? Like you're yeah, not I in mean, a Super it, Bowl window. Yeah, just not great management of capital. Yeah, not great management of capital for a team that's not ready to win right now. They're going to have to retool themselves. Um, like you said, and I have to agree with you. Great picks at the top end with Olave and Penning, but 
after that, very underwhelming and traded away too much capital uh, when they yep. sh- really should be focusing on retooling with uh, unfamiliar quarterback. Sure. And a tough division because I do think all four teams did a pretty good job, right? All things considered, yeah. I think all four of uh, those NFC South teams did pretty well. Mitch, the final division here, NFC West, favorite draft class from the NFC West. Look, I got the Seattle Seahawks. Okay, I went to Seattle as well. I want to. Well, not only are your parents some of my favorite people on the face (laughs) of the earth. Don't suck up to them. Come on. But no, look, they had a great draft. (laughs) They did. They get Charles Quas. They got Boy. uh, Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Boye Mafe. Boye Mafe, yes. Boye Mafe out of Minnesota. Um, Ken Walker out of Michigan State. Uh, Abraham Lucas out of Washington State. Um, great, great draft for the Seattle Seahawks. And you know what? And they need, they hit the needs, right? They hit the, the you know, they hit the, the hog mollies up front at offensive tackle. They needed Tack- that. They needed the edge Tackle guy. edge. Yes. Mm-hmm. They went with, you know, they went, they went ahead and got that. And then they also went ahead and hit the quarterbacks. So it was, they may not be stars in the league, but at least they're good depth with Kobe Bryant. Like you talked about, I think previously the, the cornerback out of uh, Cincinnati, um, and Tariq Woolen out of UTSA. Um, look, a great draft all in all for uh, uh, Seattle. And I, th- I think they really came out the winners in this division as far as the draft goes. Yeah, to me, this was a clear favorite in the NFC West. Uh, the board felt great for them in the first round with Cross falling all the way to nine, right? There was, I mean, there were scenarios where all the offensive linemen are off of the board by five or six, right? So for Cross to fall to nine and them to be able to get uh, that high valuable position there, uh, great for Seattle. And, you know, you look at their draft, especially through the first five rounds, Mitch, which is when the picks matter. They have had uh, what uh, seven picks in those first five rounds and they spent them all on tackle edge corner, except for one pick they took on a running back, which, you know, it's like Seattle's got a Seattle, right? They got to, they got to draft the running back in there too. But Chris Carson, uh, you know, there's a question of whether he'll play next year, whether he'll even play football again. Uh, he is a question mark for them. And Rashad Penny, a former first round pick who hasn't panned out. So I understand the take of Ken Walker there in the second round, though, uh, you know, maybe fourth, fifth round, maybe maybe better value there. But I do love the prospect. But Boye Mafe, good edge out of Minnesota, position of need for them. Taking another tackle in the third round with Abraham Lucas, I love. And then the corners in the fourth and fifth, you mentioned Kobe Bryant, Tariq Rowland. Kobe Bryant was the Thorpe, uh, the best cornerback in college football, was not his teammate, Sauce Gardner. Kobe Bryant won that award because people only threw at Sauce Gardner 10% of the time. So everything else went to Kobe Bryant, and he was a ball hawk, and he was fantastic, and he was a fourth-round pick. Sauce Gardner was the fourth overall pick, right? That's the difference, but a great value nonetheless there. And then Tariq Wolin out of UTSA, 6'4", 200 pounds, a former wide receiver who moved to cornerback at UTSA, who has uh, crazy speed and athleticism, a very raw prospect, uh, but the type of guy that this is the Seattle MO, right? I mean, this is the kind of, this is what we've seen them do before. And so uh, sort of a perfect fit there, I thought for Seattle. So yeah, I mean, the board felt great for them. And I think they, again, tackle edge corner, they hit positions of need, could they have taken a quarterback when they were slipping? Sure. Did you need to? Absolutely not. You know, you're you're gunning for next year, and I get that for them, and that's why I respect that they didn't spend a third on one of the quarterbacks like they could have. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I thought Seattle 
a good draft post Russell Wilson uh, foundational pieces at the edge and, and at the edge and tackle. And I think that's going to bode well for them. Yeah. Good foundational pieces. And you may put yourself in a position where you can go get one of those top quarterbacks coming up for the next yeah. year, but uh Dallin, what was your least favorite draft mm. of this? Yeah. You know, my least favorite uh, draft in this division was the Niners. Um, I'm going mm. with San Francisco as my least favorite. And, uh, you know, they, they didn't have a first, uh, you know, the move up for Trey Lance. They, they didn't have the, uh, you know, quite amount of draft capital. So one second, couple thirds, uh, you know, mainly late round picks. I, Drake Jackson out of USC, the edge guy. Uh, I, I think he's got a lot of potential uh, as a, Freshman, sophomore, he looked like a first-round pick. I didn't quite develop that way. And, and, and that's not a super big place of need for them, but a position that they, high, they value highly, right? Uh, defensive line in San Francisco. Makes sense to invest there for them. Uh, Danny Gray, the wide receiver out of SMU, they got in the third round. I, I do think has some potential, and I like taking shots there. But Tyrion, I got to say this again. Let me try this again. Tyrion. I think it's Tyrion. Tyrion? Tyrion? I don't think it's Tyrion. Tyrion. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, Tyrion. But Mitch, Tyrion Davis-Price, the LSU running back in the third round, that was just one. uh, This was a guy who uh, was projected to be like a fifth rounder, right? Who they're reaching on at a position where you just saw their sixth round pick and Elijah Mitchell look fantastic. Like that's why you don't draft running backs high, right? That's why people say it because you can throw an Elijah Mitchell out there or you could throw a James Robinson or you could throw a Philip Lindsay. You could throw wherever and there'll be good. Right. And San Francisco proved that last year. And then they also spent a third rounder on Trey Sermon last year. And then they spent another third rounder on a rider's running back this year that they reached on. It just, that made no sense for me. I don't know how that helps Trey Lance or this team at all. And uh, I think with, again, because of the limited draft capital that they had, I just didn't love the value that they got for it. Yeah. I, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think I, I really didn't like San Francisco's draft, but I honestly, it was a toss up and I went with the Rams. Okay. Like the Rams draft. I was just not a big fan of, um, Look, it's it's easy to it's easy, I think, to do it because they had all like uh, all late draft picks. Right. right. They had one third, they had one fourth, they had one fifth, they had two sixths and three sevenths. So um easy to not like it, but um I guess I I guess what it comes down to is I just don't know enough about these guys that 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 fell that far. I guess I know more about San Francisco's guys than I do about you know what the Rams drafted here. So, um, yeah, well, I mean, it's hard to get value from sixth and seventh rounders. Right. And that's right. what, uh, the Rams are relying on, right. They've treated dra- draft picks, uh, with, uh, you know, they traded away frivolously and they haven't valued those draft picks. They traded them for players and it's worked out for them. I'm not, you know, trying to criticize, right. but as a result, you need fifth, sixth, seventh rounders to contribute on your team. Right. Ben Skoranek is playing in a Super Bowl. Right. Like they, they, there's a seventh round pick they made last year and he's playing in the Super Bowl because that is the team building path that they've taken. Right. That is the inevitability of the way they build the roster. So unfortunately for them, they need Daniel Hardy from Montana State and Quentin Lake from UCLA in the sixth round and Dakobe Durant, the fourth rounder from South Carolina State and HBCU to pay off. Right. They need these guys to be good. And uh, it's just hard to say that these guys are going to be good uh, when they're 
late round picks like this. We did the same thing last year. I remember talking about the Rams last year. We basically said the same thing. We're like, how do you know? I mean, it's just like a fourth, fifth rounder is like, yeah, you know, I mean, it's literally stabbing, it's, good. It's stabbing in the dark yep. here, you know, but they won a Super Bowl, right? So it I worked. It, wor- I guess. it worked out for them, I guess. So, <laughs> yep. All righty, Mitch. Well, that is it for the NFC West. That's it for the NFL draft recap. Again, crazy weekend. Uh, the quarterback slide, I mean, that was just crazy to watch. The first round, I think it's the most trades I think we've seen in the first round ever. Uh, 13 quarterbacks in the first, 13 wide receivers drafted in the first two rounds of the draft. I think only seven quarterbacks drafted total in the NFL draft. I mean, there were crazy, uh, unprecedented numbers that we saw uh, in what was truly one of the most unexpected drafts uh, that we've seen one of the hardest to anticipate and saw a lot of people mention that beforehand, that this was going to be wild, that nobody really knew what was going to happen. And uh, certainly was the case. Oh yeah. I mean, this was a wild NFL draft and you know what I, as much as I like to see and know what's coming, I kind of hope the next draft is like that. I'm not yeah. going to lie. And I, I want, I want success for everyone that's in next year's draft, but I would love a little bit of unpredictability. Yeah, that's just nice to have. The chaos, it's just, it's what, you know, the NFL draft's like the best reality television you can get. It's live. You don't know what's going to happen. It's people making million-dollar decisions in the blink of an eye, you know, with 10 minutes on the clock uh, and all the pressure in the world of your future job and job security. It's it's just great, and uh, it's why we love it. NFL draft. You love it to see it. Mitch, that's it for the podcast today. That is going to do it. We appreciate you guys sticking around, listening. As always, if you don't already, follow the socials, the Twitter at Sports Hour Guys, Instagram at the Sports Hour Guys. You can also follow the TikTok at the Sports Hour Guys and follow me on Twitter at Lil Foint. Mitch, remind the people about Anchor. If you want to be like Mr. Italian Stallion Tanner Pacini was today, Get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and leave a voice message on the site. You can leave voice messages. Ask whatever question you want. Dallin, what's your favorite color? Mitch, what's your favorite food? Ask anything. I don't care what it is. Get on there. Anchor.fm slash sports hour guys. Leave a voice message. You will become a part of the conversation. Of course, we would love a sports question from you. Um, but that is that that is where you can find us at where you can become a part of the conversation. Um, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating review, tell us that we suck because Dallin, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we could get better. And so please do that. We'd greatly appreciate that. If you haven't checked out, uh, and don't forget the website, the sportshourguys.wordpress.com. Check out the content there. More to come with the NBA playoffs. We'll be doing a lot more NFL uh, off-season content. Our way too early 2023 predictions always coming up in the middle of the month. So we're a couple weeks away for some hot takes on what's going to happen in the NFL season next year already. So look forward to that and more. Mitch, uh, this has been fun. You look cute as always. Oh, Keep up uh, your 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 work in the lung capacity. That's going great. Keep keep it up. You know, we're looking. Yeah, we're doing. I want it. I want a solid ninety second intro. Oh, okay. I don't know if I can do that yet. (laughs) (laughs) So step up the game. No, just kidding. Uh, We'll look forward to the best names 
from the 2022 draft in a, in a top five next week and your continued top five series, right? So that's right. Got to get that. Got to get Absolutely. that. So, all righty, folks. Well, that's going to do it. So, again, thanks for listening. We love you. We appreciate you. And we will catch you next week. See ya. See ya.